Thank you for listening to this Podcast One Sportsnet production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Hoo-hoo, what a show. Four of us. Big full house. Five, if you count, fake Fazic, who made a few cameos. Not a ton, but he, he had his best material. You know what else? It was the most number of crossfires. There was literally one bet that there were five people involved, counting Fezzik and Abstentia, and literally, literally, three were on one side, two on the other, crossfire, boom, 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 boom. Love it. And there was like five other crossfires, betting out the wazoo, some good best bats. Brad went off the beaten path with his best bat. I like it. We're about halfway through the season, football. It's a good time to sit back and consider how you're doing. I don't care in this case for what I'm going to say. If you're winning, if you're losing, here's what I know for sure. If you would have gotten a half point better on, let's say, a third of your games, think of all the games you bet, a third of them you get an extra half, you'd be doing better. And the feedback I've gotten from those who have signed up for an extra book, bet DSI in particular, it's been, RJ, you're right, you just don't realize how much that half point, even now and again, can make all the difference. And there's more than that. But ultimately, even if there weren't any more, if you can have the fun you have, sports betting, or if you're a pure professional, you know all this. I don't even have to tell you. You've got bad DSI. You've got your outs. But if you're doing it for fun, there's nothing better than having something that, quite frankly, doesn't require a lot of work. In fact, with the 100% bonus, how easy bad DSI makes it, very little work. With the bonus, it's well worth it. If you like it, it is a home run because then you have that extra out. BetDSI.com, promo code BELL101. That's the only way to get the 100% bonus. BetDSI.com, promo code BELL101. On to this fun, fast-paced, there was one Muhammad Ali story. Great show. And now, a word from Martellus Bennett, a professor at the Dos Equis College Football Football College. Hey, college football fans. Martellus Bennett here. Do you want to win every football argument this season? Dominate every debate? Become a pigskin prodigy? Then enroll in a Dos Equis College Football Football College, where you'll learn from football insiders like me, Jay Cutler, Katie Nolan, and Arthur John Bacon, the man who wrote the book on college football. So be the first in your family to earn a football watching certificate from a beer school. Enroll in Dos Equis College Football Football College at dosequis.com backslash edu. Enjoy Dos Equis responsibly. Imported by Cervezas Mexicanas, White Plains, New York. Copyright 2019 Dos Equis Beer Brands. Official beer sponsor of the college football playoff. Finally, there's a football beer school for me. Thanks, Martellus. Welcome to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. Weekly winners from his Wise Guy Roundtable. Broadcasting from the pregame.com studios in Las Vegas. Here is R.J. Bell. That's right. A very special Week 9 edition of the Dream Preview with my Wise Guy Roundtable. I'm excited. Full House Plus. Brad Powers. All the college knowledge to my left. Ken Thompson. These are the 24th Pythons. The largest arms to ever enter goals, Jim Daddy. Special guest, my benefactor out of Florida, Mr. Dave Esler, winning since Moses wore short pants 
<laughs> that hashtag's catching on. I've gotten more than a few of those on Twitter. So Dave's in town, saw Lady Gaga. I mean, what a life this guy has. How was the show, Dave? It was all right. You know, I, I, it was for the wife? It was. It was. I, I, thanks, for, thanks, for, thanks for saving me there. Now, let me ask you a question. I got to tell you, if you have any interest in Lady Gaga, look, Howard Stern, Lady Gaga, they've done two or three interviews. You, you cannot not like her after. You don't have to be a fan of the music, but as a person. And then you think about it. She went and was a very good actress. I mean, she never really acted. She, I think she was on one of those Netflix shows. She took lessons. This gal is a worker because on the Stern interview, they talk about she was on Howard the first time maybe at 7 in the morning, right? Before she sings, she has to do two hours of vocal exercises just to get her to where she can do what she wants to do. So she's like up at four in the morning, you know, doing two. You would think I'm Lady Gaga. I, you know, I I can go with 45 minutes of vocal exercises today. No. And again, that kind of discipline is what allowed her to go from what? A non-actress to a borderline Academy Award winner. Yep. And I, and I thought, I thought A a Star is Born was a great movie. I really, did did anyone else see it? I agree. Yeah. You saw it? Yeah, I did. What was the context of that? Uh, watched it with a girl. Uh, <laughs> now, wh- Women weaken legs. Now, what did you think? Yeah, I liked it. You just kind of liked it. Yeah, I just kind of. See, you know what it was? Is you came in like some macho crap that you thought, I'm not going to like No, this. I like chick flicks. <laughs> I like chick flicks. So you like chick flicks, yeah. but you didn't like this. I mean, that's on. In fact, Brad. I think I came in with too high. Good luck. Ex- yeah. Oh, God. All right. I came in with too high expectations. Like, uh-huh. I was expecting, like, this is going to blow my mind in it. Now, did What's you see it in the theater? Yeah. Wow. I'm, uh, I'm disappointed in you. I can't. Sorry. Lie. All right. <laughs> Let's get to the action. Hi, I'm Brad Powers. I did lose my best bet this past week on Oklahoma State. And as far as the betting action goes, I lost one against Ken Thompson. But as always, I beat Mr. Steve Fezzik, who just so happens not to be here today. Yeah, like Brad, I lost that. All right, enough preening. Yeah. Come I, on. Know, I lost the Oklahoma State best bet as well. Not making any excuses. It is what it is. But I did go 2-0 as far as the green button. Beat Fez on the uh, Florida game and beat Brad with Utah over Arizona State. I'll take the money. So the reason I call Dave my benefactor is, and I think you're aware of this, Dave, right, is whenever you disagree with these guys, I bet you. Yes, it's an auto. I, I do know that. And it's been going. I, have, I haven't asked for my cut yet. Well, that uh, is uh, in the mail. But what I'll say <laughs> is. He gets the cut short. <laughs> it's been going well. Now, let's get to the action. First, let's deal with this. Ken lost his best bet. Brad lost his best bet. We're taping on Tuesday. So the first thing you got to know is that as of Tuesday, this is the very best information. You never hear someone go, well, you know, this game, uh, I kind of like. And then you see with their all-access premium picks, oh, they got a best bet or even the biggest game. No. You love a game on Tuesday, you tell it here. If you don't, you're not going to be here. You're going to be out in obscurity land, we'll call it outside of the warm embrace of pregame. Now, that said, 
things change between Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. What does that mean? It means if you want, if you're taking winning seriously, you want to listen on Wednesday and bet the games you like as quickly as possible. Because sometimes it will go against us. I'll give you an example. I love San Francisco. In hindsight, I'd bet that game a thousand times out of a thousand if there's not a monsoon. Now, can you predict a monsoon or whatever you want to call that torrential downpour? I guess to some degree, didn't expect what we saw. And to me, it's hard to look at that game and not think we had the right side with the 49ers. You might say, well, RJ, that's a good reason to wait until right before the game. Except the lines get sharper. So you're always balancing. Do you want to bet with limited information? But... Odds are in the long run, you're going to get a better line. That's the benefit of betting early. Why a better line? If your information source is a winner, then the line generally will move in the direction. I'm talking about over 1,000 games, not any individual game, not even 10 games. This is beyond debate. Studies have been done, and the closing line is sharper, which is another way of saying closer to the final than the line at any other point during the week. Does anyone disagree with that? It's, it's just it's not possible to in legitimately. Now, you can say there's certain situations that you think, fine. You, you know, and again, sometimes I'll see Fez, who I think is the best guy out there when it comes to line move predictions and such. Though, Brad, you on straight out of Vegas, you've been, what was it, five out of six? Five out of six, yep. On your line move predictions. Yep. So now those games haven't all won. Four and two on the best bets. Four straight winners. All right. Now, people are saying, well, wait a minute. Why aren't we getting – you're getting those, right? It's just Brad's got to pick one game out for his best bet. That's the definition of it. We could just eliminate the best bets and say five likes from Brad. There they are. Go. From Ken, go. Here's what we know. One, and we'll get into this in the offseason more. In general, bet as early as you're comfortable. Now, I do think one exception is if weather is a cause of concern – and you believe that weather will affect your bet, meaning some games you might benefit from the weather. And in that case, you might want to wait and bet or bet early, then bet more later. There's all kinds of combinations here. But in general, you're trading. Uh, you know what the analogy is? Let's think of poker, because I always use poker as an example. If I walk in and Doyle Brunson's at one table and a bunch of people from Idaho's at another table, I want to play against the. Idaho, just because I respect diversity. I want to re- play against everyone, <laughs> just not the guys from Texas that came up in the 60s and they're still yeah. winning. I, you know, I want to avoid that. And if all things are equal, you'd be stupid not to. But oftentimes, if not always, the limits are higher with Doyle. So what you've got to balance is, do I want to play 1-2 with these guys and gals? Do I want to play 25-50 with someone in between? And again, I don't play Doyle's level. This is a hypothetical. Or do you want to go to the big room or uh, into the big game in the Bobby's room? Okay. And you balance it. It's the same type of balance with when you bet. Do you want to bet against those who have bet early only? Because it's the odds maker's initial line. So, Brad, you just kill, 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 kill (laughs) the uh, summer bets, right? Just historically, your results in the summer where you bet like 10, 12 games. Yep. Out of 250 or whatever. Yes. And you've been well over, uh, I mean, 60%. Like 60%, right? yes. Okay. Why, who are you betting against? 
The bookmaker. In that case, yeah, the first yeah. bat's against the bookmaker. Now, once someone bats, let's say they, they were behind you and you bet team A and they move it a half a point, now the, the next batter's batting against the bookmaker and the little Brad Powell. Yes. Well, come Sunday morning, you're betting against every syndicate in the world. Or come Sunday night the week before, you're betting against the opener. The catch-22 is the limit. If you're betting 10000 a game, you might – well, in the NFL, I don't know. You might be able to get that down pretty easy. But in, like, say, college basketball totals, yeah, you, it's hard. The bookmaker doesn't want you betting against him. Yep. And the limits are going to be 300 500 Yes. Which is real – I mean, it used to be two or 3000 not that long no, ago. No, not anymore. 500 at most in a lot of spots. All right. So you want to isolate the bookmaker as much as possible because they're not that sharp. You know something? If they could, they'd be professional batters. Think about it. You really want – how many people would want to go to some HR thing on the Me Too movement versus, you know, being a guy like Brad Powers on national radio? Like, Ken, what's your, what would you prefer? Come on. There's some people that would want the corporate job because they'd want to say, hey, look, I'm from Mirage. That's fine. Most batters would rather bet. Doesn't mean they're not sharp. Means they're not as sharp enough to win, or they not sharp enough to win enough to equal the money. Maybe they could win forty k, but they're making two forty, so they're happy, right? Well, they're not really happy. They choose what they choose. Not many bookmakers are particularly happy, as far as I can see. They're mad anytime you win. If I win nineteen out of twenty times, I'd be happy when you win. I'd go out <laughs> make a big, pre- I make a big presentation. I always tell Fez how sharp he is, so he keeps batting me. Nice. Right? Yeah. But they don't. They hate it when you win. Have you found that, Ken? I have. I mean, uh, it is funny, too, when you hear guys that work at the sports book like, uh, we lost or, you know. And and I do understand that, I guess, if the book does really well, you may get a quota check, you know, some type of check. If the, uh, But it is kind of funny that they act like it's their money. And then even listening to radio, there are people that almost feel sorry for the book when they get hammered. <laughs> and it's like, we don't. I'll tell you this, and this is the honest to God's truth, and Brad, you can attest. Years ago when you came to town and I was in a war against the bookmakers, yeah. had you ever heard anything like that? No. I mean, it was like everyone, usually these uh, handicappers, they want the war, room temperature bologna sandwiches that they have at the once a year events. And they, in the back of their mind, they're always thinking, well, if I'm really, if I kiss his butt, Maybe he'll give me that extra 2000 on that one game. That was Fez's mentality, wasn't it? Absolutely. They just sniff weakness. They, the only way to deal with a bookmaker is for him to fear you. He should fear your betting, and he should fear you otherwise. Whatever, with a microphone, because if they think you're weak, they have no sympathy. I've never met a bookmaker with any real sympathy. Yeah, I haven't either. Ken? Never. I know you're still trying to get your show sponsored from various books, but, I mean, make them scared of you. Then those sponsors shut you up, <laughs> right? Now, I don't take any sponsorships from any Vegas books, so, I mean, I, I'm just going to talk. And you know what proved me right times 10? Look at all the innovations in Jersey just in the last year and a half, right or wrong? Right, absolutely. More right. innovations in Jersey in the last 18 months than we've had in the last 18 years in Vegas probably. Yep. They were just all well, all the brilliant people weren't involved in vet. Now, no one wanted to do anything. They were all sitting back eating pistachios, <laughs> t- 
making sure to get the bologna on discount somehow, like buying it. Who knows? That, that, that bologna's probably been frozen from five years ago when they bought at Costco like a big 20 pounds of it. <laughs> How funny would that be? Be like, hey, we got the event next week. Go down and get five pounds of bologna and some Wonder Bread. I don't think that's far from the truth, the reality. <laughs> no, no. That's why I say it. <laughs> so to me, with the bookmakers, cockroaches. Cockroaches. Cockroaches, yeah. That's right. Nick Nolte is correct. <laughs> so bet it early if you can. If you don't, you're getting the worst of both worlds. Meaning if you're going to play it blindly and you wait, you probably got a worse line. And there's a chance that something's going to affect it to the negative. But if you're just playing it blindly, you, in theory, you paid the price to wait, but you're still playing it. All right. Doesn't really necessarily affect any given game that we're talking about. Just we want to set realistic expectations. Number two, and, and again, we strive to do this in all cases. And anyone that listens any length of time knows that. Number two, when you just pick one game, there's a certain randomness to it. So I'm going to read Brad's numbers. And this is going to be this year in college football. Started slow, but since September 8th has been over uh, 60%. So since week three, over 60. Doesn't change week one and two, okay? But you start slow. What can, what's the best you can do? You can start winning over 60%. NFL this season, 56. Remember, 55 is how you get a mansion and a yacht. It's that simple, without working. But look at last year, all four sports. College football, 58. NFL, 56. College basketball, 59. NBA, low volume, 56. Last year, in fact, let's go two years back. Best bets on all the podcasts, NFL or college. Brad is 61.5%, 24, 15, and 1. That includes this bad college football season for him with the best bats. Last year on the best bats, college and pro, 20 and 8. 20 winners, 8 losers, 71%. Now, does that make you feel better if you've lost money? It shouldn't. Right? You lost. If you won money with him last year and you're losing now, then pipe the F down. Come on. You're still up. If you're new, though, and there's a lot of new people, we're grown. All this stuff doesn't make you feel any better about losing, but you know what it should make you feel better about is what Brad's expectations are today, this next game and the game after that, et cetera, et cetera. I said that very fancy instead of et cetera is how I usually would. (laughs) And I'm adamant about that. Like it's a mistake to always talk about the past winners because a lot of people didn't bet those. So let's accept that that is BS to just do that. But to act like, that beyond the pain you're feeling for losing, that, that somehow this is a sign that Brad's not a winner. If you want to say Brad's a winner, the history's proven it. Ken's a winner. History's proven it. But they've been on a bad streak, and it sucks. Hey, I'm losing too with it. But if you want to act like this is indicative, then you're wrong. The numbers go the whole other way, the opposite. And, and I guess to wrap it all up, you've got to think about the limitations of one podcast on a Tuesday. So you want to follow Brad, Brad on Twitter at Brad power seven. You want to follow, 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 follow Ken sports X radio. You want to follow Esther, Dave underscore Esther. Why are they going to reverse picks? No, they're not going to do that, but they might say, you know, something this weather bothers me. We got this pick again. If you bet early, you might say, well, what do I do now? 
you benefit enough by betting early. You're gonna, sometimes you're going to not, and sometimes you are, and that you are. But it's nothing's – listen, if you are asking for what's unreasonable, whenever you ask someone for something, close your eyes and say, is it reasonable that they could give this to me? If it is, then be mad if they don't. But be realistic. And by the way, if you think there's something we're not giving you, let me know at RJ in Vegas because if I think it's reasonable, I'll try to give it to you because that's my job is to provide value to the listeners, to pregame.com people. And remember, all those numbers last year from Brad, 58, 56, 59, 56, all his all-access premium stuff. And we often offer you guys discounts and all kind of good stuff with that. This business, it's a crapshoot. Sometimes you win and sometimes you lose. You gamble and you lost. Now, you've made a lot of money with us before, and you make a lot again. We always take care of our friends. You know that. Showtime! Woo! All right, up first, Oklahoma, 23 and a half. You know, off West Virginia, nice win there. Kansas State as the dog here at home, plus 23 and a half. Can you like it? I do. I like Oklahoma. I just think this team's on a roll right now, and I don't think Kansas State is one of these teams that can play catch-up. In fact, I think they'll fall further behind. Last week, 11-23 to for Skylar Thompson. He's not really filling the bill. How about James Gilbert, your running back? This is your go-to guy. 14 carries, 38 yards against TCU. Good luck. Oklahoma's defense, underrated. Why? Because we look at Jalen Hurts in the offense. I think this OU defense is the best inside the Big 12. I think they shut down Kansas State, pull away, end up winning this game by 30-plus. And it's funny, my gut says, oh, take the undefeated team laying the lumber. You know, my gut feeling, I can't lie. But no, I mean, it's like at what point are we going to realize that that is a little duct tape shoe? Yeah. I'm not saying I, I know enough to even lug Oklahoma here. It's just the, the just the default dog or pass just is not the case anymore. Yeah, but call me Mr. Duct Tape Shoes here because I am RJ leaning with the big dog. Oh, so Kansas that big State. that big build up was the for he goes, Let me say this. I have a lean. I have a lean. Okay. <laughs> a lean. Go ahead. Yeah, lean on Kansas State. And and to me, let's just look at the total on how the game's gonna be played. Fifty seven and a half. I looked at that, I was like, when's the last time an Oklahoma game a total was priced in the fifties? So Eight, saying low. Low, yeah, 18 games ago. So to me, if it's going to be a lower-scoring game, the, the pace of play says it's going to be more in Kansas State's type of wheelhouse type of game, a lower-scoring type of game. Oh, just, there's two ways to look at yeah. it. It's showing me that Kansas State can't score and that the odds makers think they can't score. They're going to get seven or less. Well, first off, there's simple math we can do to see what the implied uh, score is going to be. Yeah, right around 40.5 to 17. Okay, because what ha- you know, just for those the newbies, is you subtract out the spread, take the remainder, divide it by two, split it between the teams, add the spread back to the favorite, and there you go. Yep. Now, let's think of it like this: it could be Oklahoma's got to play slow, or it could be Kansas State's going to play fast. Have you did a study when Kansas State's had a line this high? Mm, I am not, RJ. All right, so why don't you do that now? Because the study's a little strong. Look it up. <laughs> Don't need to do a study. Let's get Dave. And Dave, here's the beauty of pods. You're going to have a lot on some games. You're not going to have as much on others. Just contribute what you feel. You know, as I've said now for you know two years, if you look at Dave's all-access premium picks, no one in the history of pregame.com has won more. I mean, literally, just objectively. This guy's a winner. 
I like him especially because not being in the Vegas bubble, he doesn't always have those kind of default Vegas thoughts. Because to me, they pow on. Everyone's got the same thought. It's pretty meaningless after the first one. So what do you got on that, Brad, first? There's already been two games with higher uh, totals on Kansas State this year. Uh, 52 nothing over BG with a total of 58.5. And a total of 60, they lost 13-26 to against Oklahoma State. So in a way, the Big 12 has a lot of fast-paced games. Yes. But they don't have many slow-paced teams. Yep. Is Kansas State They're very slow-paced. Are they alone? In the Big 12? Used to be Kansas, but they, they went more up-tempo here recently. Yeah, they're by far the slowest. And Iowa State's running more tempo. So shouldn't we look at all Oklahoma games with a total in the 50s since uh, they got Lincoln Riley? As an offense coordinator or head coach? Head coach. Okay. You want to do that real quick? I shouldn't take yep. long. Dave. Yeah, I, I see Brad's point about that total, and it would normally scare me, but what really scares me about taking K-State is that defense. They're 124th in yards per carry allowed. Now, I just think that's a huge matchup problem against this Oklahoma team. And, and Because like, they run more than they, you think. They just run a lot more than you think, and they're good at it. And, and K-State, as Ken said, they just don't throw the ball one, and when they do, they suck at it. And as Ken also said, Oklahoma's defense is good. They're 10th in sack percentage. So I can see State hanging around for a little while, but I think as soon as eventually just pull away and cover this. So, Ken, this feels like a game. you got to like on this game. This feels like a game that's right in between the, the neighborhood of there's a clear favor, but it's all about how good the teams are and how they match up, to I wonder what their desire for margin is. Because you get up to 30, it's about margin. Here at 23-and-a-half, it's about matchup. I mean, hey, Illinois just won as a 30-point dog. You can, you know, Oklahoma could lose this game. Do you think, though, Oklahoma has desire for margin? Yes, because they have a bye next week. So they are off. Mm-hmm. They're going into that bye week. They want to leave with a nice undefeated Plus, they don't have record. to worry about resting their starter. They, they tend That's to rest it. starters later, right, if there's a bye next week. I think a lot of people look at teams coming off a bye, but a lot of people don't look at teams going into a bye. And I think bigger favorites coming into a bye is something to consider, for sure. What you got, Brad? They've only had Oklahoma three spreads right in this range, so under 60 in the Lincoln-Riley era. They're 3-0 and straight up, 1-2 and against the spread. 1-2? and Yeah. Hmm. 56 Why don't you get some cojones and, and, and press the green button here? I mean, that's a pretty good I kind of want to do. What's the ATS margin? But he went against Oklahoma oh, no, last you, week. Why are you trying minus, to talk about minus it? Minus 2.3. Per so, game? Yeah. It's a field goal. That's a nice edge. At no vig. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when he tried to stop you is no. when you knew you should have done it. I, I like this better than I like them beating West Virginia by 33 and a half last week. It was, almost like, that a, it was almost like a bye. 52 to 14. That worked out nice. Boy, Ken. Ken is surly. Surly. Hey, all I could say is Oklahoma and Ohio State. <laughs> no, Ken, Ken and Ohio you said State, all you can no, say. those two teams are way better than I thought they were going to be. You know what's funny? Week. When you bet Ken, he wants to do his handicap all over again. No, don't have to. <laughs> Expand on it. Anything else? No, I, I, I just, I, I agree with Ken. I think Oklahoma is a lot better than I thought, especially defensively. I, mean, I was, I was down on them, but I'm not anymore. I, I really like their defense, and, and I think they're looking at the bigger picture in January, and they do want margin. And that is an interesting question, Brad. Is we've talked about their new D coordinator a, a good bit. Are you still impressed? Oh yeah, very impressed. Even that the game, you look at the Texas game where they gave up 27 points, but. A lot of that was kind of you know false, faulty final. Oklahoma and their proud tradition of their school had nine sacks in that game. That tied for the program record against Texas. Now think about this. 
you're hearing a lot in the NFL about complementary football now. The idea that the amount of defense you force your the or your team to play is about the offense you run to some degree, right? If it's third and one, and a bomb might be positive expectation over a conservative run play, you've got to account for we're going to have an incompletion higher on the bomb, which means our defense is back on the field. What does that mean? That's not being considered as much, but now it is more. So it's an example of these famous analytics people, the geniuses that decide not to go to Wall Street and make millions, but they decide to blog about sports. Those geniuses didn't hear a lot of talk about that no. two or three years ago. No. Hmm. Next game, Oklahoma State. Oh, boo. Iowa State, <laughs> Iowa State favored by 10 and a half. Ken, you like this one? Yeah, I'm going to go with Iowa State. I think this team's just starting to get their act together. And it's a team that has two tough, tough losses. Lost by one in a game they led pretty much the whole way against Iowa at home and a game that they came back from a 20 to nothing deficit to take a 21-20 lead against Baylor only to see Baylor kick a game-ending field goal. What was the line in the game? They were favored pretty good. Uh, against Baylor, three and a half. Three and a half. That's, but I'm, uh, I'm sorry, last week's Oklahoma State game was what I wasn't on the podium. Oh, yeah. oh, Oklahoma State was a three and a half point favorite. And got bet up to six. Oh, is that you saying? Don't excuse my loss. The market. Was, no, you are saying closing line value. I am closing line value. <laughs> Still a loss. Oh, by, no by matter the, what number you got. One last thing, right. real quick, Brad. We we buried the lead. Is even though there's all the reasons to be optimistic, and even though you committed, at my behest on the NFL pod. To donate how much yeah. to charity? Five hundred. Instead of shaving your beard. Yeah. You shaved your beard. I did. My eyes say boo. <laughs> yeah. Because <And laughs> some so. people look better with a beard. They do. But I gotta be honest with you. The fact you've already committed to still give the five hundred yep. to charity. And what we're gonna do is tweet out at Brad Power Seven for charity choices. Big brothers, big sisters. We'll let Brad pick one and then and then whoever gets the most votes, hey, this is a good charity. Brad's going to put 500 in. We'll have some type of documentation of that. And he shaved the beard to my great chagrin. Continue, Ken. Well, here's the thing. With Oklahoma State, Spencer Sanders, he came off a game last week going into the Baylor game where he had committed five turnovers. They were off a bye. That's what he concentrated on, not turning the ball over. What does he do in the second half of the game on the line? Throws a pick in the end zone, fumbles the ball that's returned for a pick six. That was the difference between Oklahoma State getting a key monumental home win or a loss to Baylor, who remains undefeated. I think that hangover continues. I think Iowa State's going one way, Okie State. They'll be looking forward to the Bedlam game and hoping they can salvage their season. I think Iowa State opens it up. Second half, they get a win by double digits. Now, wouldn't that result where it seemed like a a faulty final be advantageous to Oklahoma State? It'd be like, oh, if they would have won this game, everyone would be so much higher on them. You're saying the psychological downside is bigger than the impression. Yeah, and they look at their turnover. And that's reasonable. Bug. Yeah, yeah, RJ, they're, they're minus nine in turnovers. They're just having a lot of problems and something that they concentrated on they still didn't fix. Brad? I'm leaning with Oklahoma State because of what RJ just mentioned. Contrary to popular belief on Twitter, where people look at the final, oh, Brad, what another best bet failure. I mean, you took Oklahoma State a favorite, and they lost by 18. Well, Oklahoma State was winning that game with 10 well, minutes still, left. You lose by 18. Oh, it's terrible. <laughs> but, I mean, with 10 minutes left, Oklahoma State, I didn't see any Twitter comments until 
the the runout well, took yeah, the last you, ten you, minutes of the game. I mean, usually when you lose is when you get the call, Matt. Listen, yeah, no, I, anyone that's confused it on Twitter that people are going to not be thoughtful in long term. Come on, fair enough. It's a lean on Oklahoma State because of that result last week and the last two games that I thought for Oklahoma State a little bit misleading. But here's why it's not a like for me. Ken hit it. Spencer Sanders, the quarterback, he's a true dual threat right now. Turnover or fumble. I mean, eight of them. Last two games, four interceptions, four fumbles. I kind of, Ken's talking me more off of this game completely because I think it is, when you listen to Spencer Sanders in the post game, it, to me, there's, it's more psychological now at this point that it's happened back-to-back games. Well, listen, it, um, interesting take, but if you don't like it, come on. Yeah. That's true. No, you put, talked can, me into a like the last game, so now I have six likes. You, you're you, trying you're to like not, me into every game. No, I'm just saying, yeah. accept the fact you're not that adamant about it. I agree. But you're saying it with a lot of passion. All right, well, I got to bring some passion. But, but but what I'm saying is you want to balance the passion for the, you know, the likes should sound right, different. Enough, fair enough. Say, I'm not so sure. Ken is sure. Ken's saying, I'll bet yeah. anyone. Err! Right? There you go. I, I, one other thing. I just want to get one more comment in, RJ. Oh, for sure. Well, Iowa State was going with a stable of running backs. They found yeah. their guy last Do week. you see what happens when you question him? Yeah. He just does his handicap well, again. <laughs> Bree, Brees Hall, 19 carries, 183 yards, two touchdowns, plus three receptions and 73 yards. They found a guy that's going to be their guy in the backfield. That's huge. And guess what? Brad won't bet you. No. Can't fade Matt Campbell, head coach. There you go. I think you can. <laughs> Davey Lewis. Well, I, I'm with Ken. And a matter of fact, Iowa State is, was, and still is my best bet. Ooh, best bet. I was I was hoping Brad would get tipped over the edge there. Oh, my God. He was yeah. laying in wow. wait. I did not know either. Wow. wow. He's going to shave his head again. <laughs> <laughs> no. You know, and for all the reasons you guys mentioned, you know, that Baylor score was misleading. You know, I look at it, well, Oklahoma State ran for 300 yards. You know, maybe maybe that's a good thing. But that turnover thing is just a big deal. You know, three three last week, and I think they're 119th in giveaways. And that just doesn't travel well. I can't take that on the road. Uh, you know, as Ken said, Iowa State does create turnovers. And this surprised me. Iowa State's got the 13th best scoring defense in the nation. Um, it didn't surprise me that they were good. It surprised me that they were that good. You know, Oak State's 92nd there. Uh, and, and Iowa State's coming in off back-to-back conference road wins. I mean, that's a huge, huge deal. I think that big number is warranted. I looked at the game last year. A better Oklahoma State team, a better Oklahoma State team, lost at home to a worse Iowa State team, uh, and I think they'll lose big this year. So my best bet's Iowa State covers the big number. So Brad, this is a chance to show that your passion, the energy you brought, was legit. It wasn't. <laughs> I quit. I'm not legit. No, I quit. No one, <laughs> no one wants to go against Esler and Cad. I got no. Nope. No one's going against them. Best bet, Dave Esler, Iowa State. I don't like that coach. What's the most number of games he won? Eight. That's great. That's great. You get fired at Ohio State for that. Fired. It's only happened seven times prior to Matt Campbell in the history of Iowa State football. He's about ready to do it three straight years. You know something? The fact that you know that is pathetic. Yeah. Because it, it, meant, it meant that you were digging so deep to find something about Matt Campbell. I got one. Tell him what he did at Toledo, though. Uh, oh, yeah. he's great. But yeah. I'll tell he's you, the, there was another Iowa State coach that won eight games three straight years. Aiden Fry. No. That was Iowa. <laughs> Earl Bruce. And then after he won three straight years of eight games, he went to Ohio State. Well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I, won, I swear yeah. to God, I wonder if that's why they didn't even consider him. <laughs> 
I mean, you know, Earl no, I just saw that, but yeah. you realize he's considered to be the worst coach we've had. Yeah, since yeah. So, since the forties. Yes, because Woody Hayes. Yeah, into him. Yeah, and then from there, Cooper. Cooper. Yeah. No, we yeah. Meyer, and now maybe even Day. Exactly. Just keeps going up. And that, the one year, we don't count that. Yeah, no, you shouldn't. He can go be a defensive coordinator or whatever the hell he Just is. think his grandson could have been that guy if he didn't have all the screw-ups there. Well, the or Myers. not, really, right? Because <laughs> a guy like that isn't the type that's going to win, ultimately. Best bet, though, I swear to God, I got to know if that's the case. Because I think it, if, it had to be part of the conversation. <laughs> you know, someone said... Yeah. You know, imagine the meeting, yeah. and they're like, well, here's the thing about this Matt Campbell at Iowa State, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, wow, yeah, okay, uh, strong maybe. Uh, one thing, guys, last coach to do that, Earl Bruce. It's like, oh, <laughs> he's off the list. <laughs> We're all going down that road. Because you know yeah. the high State fans yeah. make a big deal about the first yeah. time he lost a game. Yes. No wonder the Buckeyes win so much. That kind of sound thinking. <laughs> Next, speaking of the Buckeyes. Next, the Ohio State University on the road, favored by 14. No, at home. Favored by 14 against Wisconsin. Bad, 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 bad Wisconsin team. (laughs) Buckeyes by 14. So, Brad, we got some numbers on Ohio State that are mind-blowing. Yeah, so as far as Ohio State goes, we're talking ATS margin. So we're already factoring in. The spread is expectation heading into the game. Ohio State, number one in the country. Margin as far as against the spread, 17.5 points per game. Better than any team in college football this year. 17.5 points per game above expectation. That's remarkable. I don't ever remember that, at least in modern history, from a team as public as Ohio State. Maybe like a Western Kentucky or somebody like that's pulled off a streak like this, but never a big-name brand like the Buckeyes. And I'll tell you this. I've never seen, or I didn't add in the, the stats from this week when they dominated Northwestern, but if you look at the first half, second half split prior to that, Ohio State was scoring about seven less points in the second half as the typical team's Winning by that margin, so imagine seven points a game on top of that. That's it'd be the it'd be like a best ever moving towards two hundred points over the yes. spread. Now I'm going to let Ken and Brad take a second <laughs> and and, and uh, give a little credit where credits due when it comes to my predictions on a high stake. Ken, you haven't really expounded upon this when in week one when I said Buckeyes are better than you think. I know you've been with me. I know that's the first thing you're going to want to say. Let's focus on me a little bit. Well, let's focus on our bet. Remember, we have a bet from a couple weeks ago. I have the Ohio State University. You have Alabama. That's true. I, I, think, you I, went oh, little, I think you went a little crazy. Well, I, okay. So <laughs> that, that was my thing. At that you time. You feel good about that, I, I feel really good about it. At that time, so I what, said, if what, you gave me one team to yeah. pick, that I would take Ohio State, just prognosticating toward the future. <laughs> now, Brad, you might be a little better at this. Um, Brad, do you want to give me a little credit for being so, first on this? Go ahead, Brad. <laughs> When RJ jumped on the Ohio State bandwagon, it wasn't after Northwestern. No. It wasn't It after- wasn't Kenny. Ken's been on it. Yeah. A little after me, though. Yeah. It wasn't after Nebraska or Michigan State or Cincinnati. It was after, wait, wait, what's this? It was after Ohio State's only ATS loss of the season. We're talking after week one when a lot of people, myself included, thought, Hey, man, first game, Ryan Day, he's going to want to kill Florida Atlanta, get that first good impression from my first game as a head coach. Wasn't the case, and RJ's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. The fact that Ohio State was crushing Florida Atlantic. 28 nothing. 
yeah, six minutes into the game and they didn't put the foot on the gas pedal, to me that showed a lot that, hey, maybe I want to pull, pull it back a little bit here, maybe not show the nation just how good my team is. R.J. Bell was saying that after week yep. one. Yep, yep. Just enough to win, Ken, on the table. That's all right, man. As long as you're paying me at the end of the year, I'm happy. <laughs> now, that's interesting. Oh, wow. Let, what? So, title odds right now. Alabama, 3-1. to one, Ohio State, 3-1. to one. Those are the two favorites. What line do you have Alabama high state right now, neutral? Ooh. Well, that's it, tough because Tua's out. Yeah, I'm saying without with Tua in. With Tua in, Alabama won. So you're telling me Ken's almost got a break even bet. And it was, yeah. I want to say it was three or something. It was two and a half, three when you made the bet. I think three is what it was. You know what's funny? I, I, I'm thinking I'm getting Ken left and right. I'm not sure I am. <laughs> I mean, I guess it goes to show you the old wise guy way, like Dave shows us all the time. Dave, pick them game, Ohio State, Alabama championship, neutral. Who you got? Um, I have to take it right now. And as much as I'm an SEC guy, I got to go with Ohio State. Wow. I wonder if uh, Urban in his family time, I mean, is, is he thinking right now, how did I let this team go? Man, I'll tell you, he, if you see him on Coward, because he has the Fox gig now, he's always saying, hey, the, the, everything was set in place. Oh, boy. He, he really was my handpicked guy. He does talk the about str- that. The strength it? coach is still there. All the recruiting guys, they're all still there. It's like, yeah, he's trying to compliment himself. Hey, I'm still a part of it. I, I laid the Rich, foundation. I agree with it, but you yes. don't have to say it. I agree. But, but the, Urban, they are going to the next level. Hey, yeah. Ryan Day's not losing to Iowa by four touchdowns. He's not losing to Purdue by four touchdowns on the road. He's winning the games he should. Nobody thought Fields was as good as he is, bottom line. I mean, they thought he was going to be good, but nobody thought this quickly this kid would be that solid. But how much do we think is Fields, and how much of it is that Day's got him in a situation to succeed? I think, I think a lot's Fields. Fields is one. To me, he's a complete quarterback as, as a freshman. Mm. I mean, he's, But would you say the same thing with uh, the, the Oklahoma situation? It's very similar similar to Lincoln Riley at Oklahoma, but the exception being Ohio State's got a defense right now. But but what I'm saying is, if you look at Hertz, yeah, and no one thinks Hertz got a ton better, do they? What people think is Hertz is in a situation where his level of talent that showed a certain way at Alabama is showing very differently at Oklahoma. I agree with that. And thus, couldn't we make the case Days put him in a situation? Fields in a situation where he's going to seem so much better than he would in others, many other situations. See, my feeling with uh, Jalen Hurts is that when he lost the job to Tua, instead of whining and taking his ball and going home like all these kids to the transfer portal, what did he do? He stayed there and he worked where his game was deficient on the passing game. So when he came in and replaced, but he didn't him, before that. He wasn't as no. He I don't think he realized that it needed that much work. So when he so Saban was too generous. Well, he actually came in and bailed them out. If it's not for no, his I agree with that. passes. You know that he so I give him a ton of credit. Uh, hurts as the way he handled that, right? No, nope. I, I think he's a much better passer now at Oklahoma. How much Riley? That's the question. How much of that is the system? That's the question, yeah. right? I think it's a lot. Yeah. But, just, I, but to that end, I agree with Ken that I think the system has made Fields. I hate to say better than he is, but the ability to, to reach his peak early. Other than Saban. Every other elite coach, and this isn't going to be comprehensive, but let's say the coaches are uh, surging right now, especially. Lincoln Riley, Day, and Dabo are so player-friendly. Some of it's because of the proximity and age. They can relate. 
And with Dabo, it's just one of his great talents. Yep. Who else is a, a surge? I, I, I don't want to hear about some coach that won four games last year that, we, that you guys love his onside kick philosophy. I want to hear about a winner. Who else we got? As far as winning Surging coaches. I mean. I, just say nobody if there's nobody. There's really no one on, at right. that level. So everyone except yeah. Saban. Saban's yeah. Saban. He's one of one. Yes. All right? And you got to wonder, is he, you know, Colin today on the herd was talking about uh, Popovich. Oh, wait, I shouldn't do that for calling that bad. But it was pretty dumb. He said, in my opinion, and I tell him, you know, we have a, that kind of relationship when I disagree. But what I'll say is this. His pitch was, okay, the old school guys like Bobby Knight, he, that's going to be who he's going to put front and center. They are staunch. They keep their old ways. And now you got Popovich, and Tim Duncan was his clubhouse representative, his locker room rep. And now that he's gone, everyone's got a voice and Popovich doesn't seem so good. Okay, I think there's some truth there. Then he put Belichick in that category. That somehow Brady, you know, based upon this or that that happened in the offseason, isn't protecting Belichick. About Butler. If anything, the whole freaking Butler thing, the cornerback he said, maybe the fact there's been a title since, there should be a sense that, uh, you know something, maybe Belichick's way of building a team is pretty good. Right? <laughs> yeah. And if he had never won another Super Bowl and that was – the last one he ever got to, you could say, hey, maybe he got a little staunch at the end and his brain wasn't working enough to, you know, as he got older, he lost his fastball. If you look at his stats now, ATS record, whatever, they're better. Last five years are the best five years of his career. Yes. The distance between Belichick and the other NFL coaches is increasing, not decreasing. <laughs> but we're going to question it because he's staunch. Sometimes staunch is the right way to be. And sometimes with Bobby Knight, there's a lot of right in there, and maybe there's some wrong in there, some old school stuff that doesn't need to be the case anymore. But I don't say, I sense Belichick's a funny guy. Like when you see, I just watched the Letterman, I just happened to see after they beat uh, Seattle. And he was joking, making fun of Dave for liking the Colts. I mean, the guy, I mean, Dave Ashler, you are huge. You grew up in the Boston area, you were there for decades, right? True. And you're a huge fan. You have a Patriots shirt on. I do. Do you feel like Belichick is holding on to a lot of like staunch uh, old school thoughts that aren't pertinent? Or do you think he's as loose as he can be while having the control he, he thinks he needs? I think he's as loose as he can be. I, I agree with the second part of that statement. I think he's still evolving. I think he's still always critiquing himself. And did you watch that Jets game last night when the Patriots tried to punt from the 35 yeah. and take, take a take a delay a game, the Jets wouldn't accept it. What did they do when they lined up again? Patriots went they false, false start again intentionally. Like, who does that? Yeah. And then they had a smirk because the yeah, Jets yeah, exactly. declined it again. Exactly. So, yeah, I think he's... I mean, who does that? Yeah. Oh, so what happened then? They just kicked the ball. Yeah, they, they were up there. The Jets so credit there. Yeah, they did. For, for I, I, think he was just see, I think he was just talking the You know, Jets, if I was yeah. Belichick, what was you the score at that point? I would have gone I think it was 33 to nothing. It was 33 nothing. I would have went for it. Right? I mean, yeah. I would have went for it and scored a touchdown yeah. and just pointed. <laughs> I, I think they I think they had put Stidham in by then. Then go for it slow. Close. No, I had I had to I had the under and <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't need that to happen. So to me, you think about these young coaches. I and and Urban Meyer was a young, youngish guy, but the belly aching about the heart or whatever the crap he had, he was belly aching every now step. Now he's already, you know, talking about the Cowboys job. Oh, I'd be interested in that. 
Not even a full I mean, off season with this family. You know, yeah, and how much enough, time is he enough, spending with enough this family? With the family? He's in L.A. Enough, enough. You know, there's a great line. I mean, Louis C.K. had some Me Too issues, so I mean, that is what it is, and we don't obviously excuse it. But I'm a man that says trust the art, not the artist. I think Rosemary's Baby is a great movie, right? And you know, unless supporting the, you can make the case, I guess, if you're supporting art, it somehow funds the bad action. You know, that's be interesting. Like, you know, pick the worst country, right? North Korea, let's say. If somehow there was a great movie from North Korea, but 10% of every dollar spent in the theater went to the North Korean government to then oppress people, now you can debate it. But unless the art, and I think I'd probably lean against it, maybe get a boot, maybe sneak into the theater. Or you could go in and pick, say another movie, get your ticket, that other movie will get credit, then sneak in. That's what I'd say if North Korea puts out a good movie, do that. That's my recommend. I've done that my whole life, where if I'm going to see a blockbuster, which I tend not to go, but occasionally I will, I'll pick the least blockbuster movie and ask for a ticket for that, and they never check inside, and now they get credit for— How do you do that with assigned seats now? Because I used you to know do something? That's a good point. Yeah. But what, you, I used to you do did that it too. trying to get in R-rated movies when you were young, not to help the art house movies, right <laughs> or wrong? Enough, you were enough. acting like, oh, yeah. come on, I, yeah. like you cared about that. Yeah. No, I was with you. I'm just, I'm yeah. wondering how you're pulling no, that I guess off not. now. I mean, but every place, yeah. I mean, there's still a bunch of places That's that don't true. have a sign, right? Yeah. Samstown doesn't, Boulder, I mean, Oof. but you go right, I mean, you're... Condos right by that great galaxy. Yes, yeah, that, 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 they were the first one in towns with the super seats yep. for the Vegas crowd. All right. I think we agree the young coaches have an edge, and I think part of the day is scheme maybe, but part of it is these young guys are enthusiastic. I mean, would we agree the Ohio State uh, team mindset, the team's enthusiasm is as high as it's ever been? Yeah, absolutely it is. And that's coming off two Hall of Fame coaches, Jim Tressel and Urban Meyer. I'm stunned. This is like the best Buckeye team I've seen. Yeah, I think so. That's interesting. You think better than the title teams? I mean, we we win See, titles the, pretty regular. Yeah, yeah, I know you do. <laughs> well, two since 1970. That's not bad. <laughs> you know, that's interesting. You just what? I mean, this is like one of your trends, right? You just yeah. clip off the last title yeah. and then and say, so, and if we ignore the pass interference call against Miami. Well, that team was uh, very fortunate. Can, can I, yeah. I was waiting for ah. that. Yeah. The flag that came eight minutes after the game. Yeah, you know, I think that the best Buckeye teams actually haven't won the title. Well, you know, it's funny. Woody Hayes felt like his best team didn't win it. There's a famous story, and I'll say it quickly, where there was a – it was like 10 years after, and it was, uh, you know, Michigan and Bo had beat Ohio State that year, and it, you know, knocked them out. And they had like a 10-year reunion, and Bo was there. For, and I don't understand all the details – this is just recollection. And he apparently, you know, Woody was getting old, you know, pretty old. And he looks out and goes, because God darn you, Bo. He goes, you'll never have a win that big. Like, he was still mad about yeah. it all those years later. So was it, a six, it was a 69 game. Yeah, it may be. The, uh, it, was that the team? They were undefeated before? Yeah, that? they were undefeated. They were defending national champs. It was a super sophomores, Rex Kern. And they were undefeated. And Michigan was like a big time underdog. It was the first. Uh, Michigan-Ohio State game for Bo Schembechler. That was his first year. And how old were you at this time? Negative 14. <laughs> you got to love a, 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 a historian. Check out the big brain on Brad. All right, good talking. Ken, you like the Buckeyes. I do like the Buckeyes. I know it's uh, 
you know, a lot of points. But I, I'm not convinced that Wisconsin can play catch-up football, and I see them falling behind in this game. Uh, they don't have the speed to catch up. They're going to run Jonathan Taylor, what they did last week, and they got conservative, I understand, against Illinois. Came back to bite them, throwing the ball on a third and five, when if they just run the ball, even if they don't get the first down punt it, they're going to win that football game. So a lot of people are going to look and say, well, you're throwing Wisconsin under the trash. No, Brad will know, because I had a bet with Brad that I played Wisconsin under their win total. I did not think this team was going to be very good. But if I go back, and I did, watch the Michigan game, there was a player early when Ohio, when, uh, I'm sorry, when uh, Wisconsin was up 7 nothing. Michigan was driving. They threw a ball downfield deep into Wisconsin territory to Ronnie Bell. He caught the ball. They went and they looked at it. They overruled it. They Both announcers said it should have been a catch. At that time, it changed the game. Instead of that game probably being 7-7, it then ended up 14-0, and the whole thing snowballed, and Michigan got blown out. And I think everybody put so much into that win that we put Wisconsin up here on this pedestal. Look, I like Jim Leonard. I think he's one of the best and most creative defensive-minded coaches, but he does not have the speed to stay with Ohio State's players on the turf there at the, at the horseshoe. You're talking seven points, a half, I think Ohio State's going to increase this lead to double digits, and there's going to be no way that Wisconsin's going to come back. Eventually, it's going to end up in the 20s. All right, so here's the question. Number one, what would this line be if Wisconsin would have lost or won the game by one last week? Is it is it split the difference? Because this yeah. went out from 10 to 14. 12. Yeah, I think 12. 12. Yep, I'll agree with that. All right, so you wish they would have won. You wish they would have won, obviously. Because right? yep. you still would have not liked Wisconsin. Right. Okay. Number two, is this a game? Because what Ken's saying is a brilliant point. Profile how a team would have to play based upon the spread. Meaning, if you're laying 28, well, what does this team do when they're up by 21 entering the fourth? And you profile that. We got to profile and assume statistically that Ohio State's up 10 entering the fourth. That's about what the math says. How does Wisconsin play up 10 or down 10? Mm, I don't like their chances. So if you like Wisconsin, I know you don't, Ken, do you look at the money line? Figuring if I'm right, that if the line should be 11, let's say, the distribution moves over the bell curve, no relation, and it's a little fatter over at the extreme where the game is Wisconsin winning, that you're still getting value. What do you think? Yeah. I, I mean, how not? Because yeah. in your mind, you can't imagine them losing or winning. Yeah. If that's the case, then what's the lay price on Ohio State? Good point. But I wouldn't want to do that because yeah. the opposite. In this case, if you like Ohio State, you want Wisconsin playing from behind. So this yeah. feels like a spread on the favorite, a money line on the dog. And if you think about batting as a 1,000 reps and not am I going to win this game— yeah. Because you're never going to win something that you're plus 150 on. when you're, Or in this case, more, you want to check and get the yep. update. You're going to win much more laying 110 even if you're drunk baby flipping coins. Right? The question is how much money are you going to win before it's uh, or, or, you know, over 1,000 reps. So Brad's looking at the money line. Dave, don't feel a need to have a pick, obviously, on every game. What's your thoughts on this one? Well, I'm not going to just pile on the Ohio State love with you guys. That's absolutely no fun. Um, well, again, the truth comes first, and then your contrarian attitude comes second. Exactly. You know me. You know me. <laughs> yes, I, mean, I do. Someone has to be. You know, I, I'm probably getting three or four more points than I would have if Wisconsin had beaten Illinois. I think one of the caveats— Well, here, three or four? I mean, if Wisconsin would have blown them out, I agree. 
But if Wisconsin would have won by one, I think there still would have been a downgrade. Well, true. Yeah, okay. All right. You know, We're I, in agreement. I don't have all night. <laughs> so I mean, I, then I think, maybe say it accurately to start. I would, I, I'll try. <laughs> I'll work on that. Um, Dave's, Dave's trouble. I think you all know it. But he makes me money, so I just smile. No, I think the caveat here is the Badgers' mindset. You know, if, if they'd have beaten Illinois last week and somehow beaten Ohio State this week, they'd have gone undefeated. So I wonder if they've got that sort of nothing-left-to-lose attitude, and I don't know if that helps or hurts. Mm, I, I think the opposite. I think you've got to wonder how dis- – like, yeah. you're going to come in feeling like – Dream crusher. Almost. If Wisconsin wins and wins out, what happens? I get you can't leave a Big Ten champ out three consecutive years. Oh wait, whoa, whoa, whoa! Yeah. If Wisconsin wins out, they have no chance to make the playoffs. But they would make the Big Ten final. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. then I don't think it can be a dream crush. Yeah. I think if they oh, you're saying win out as far as the regular season or yeah. beat Ohio State like twice. I, all I'm saying now is if they win out before, like when when I talk about the potential games, I'm talking about the scheduled games. Okay, so if all if they win all their scheduled games. They're gonna they'll yep. win their division. Yep. Then I don't think it's a dream crush. Okay. Because in a way, the pitch can be, you know, guys, we don't know about the, uh, we can't worry about the playoff committee, but what we know is, if we win out, we're gonna be playing in the championship game. It's hard to think they're gonna be crushed. Yeah. If anything, this could be, as Dave said, and that's why I wanted to get the, the situation. If they were out of the championship game now, reasonably, right? Okay. I think that would have been like, oh. Everything got lost. See, and we talked last week about Oregon not being a team with a one loss uh, getting into the playoff. I can see now if Oregon wins out and Wisconsin wins out, that includes winning, whether it's against Michigan or Ohio State in the championship game, that I could see Oregon. Because look at the loss that Oregon has to Auburn on a neutral where Wisconsin loses to Illinois. I tell you this, if the committee has shown us anything, they're like the people buying IBM back in the day. It's a safe bet. The safe bet is to eliminate the team that loses a 30-point favorite. I, I, I'm willing to give people 20 to 1 Wisconsin doesn't make the playoffs. Any takers? No. No. By the way, that was the big – you had this stat, Brad. In the Big Ten, when was the last time there was an upset this big? 1982. Wow. How old were you? Negative one. <laughs> Finish up? Davey? You good? Uh, no, I'm not good. You you took my you took my thunder and ran with it. Um, took your thunder and ran with uh, it. Talking about this nothing left to lose mentality. I think there's a big difference between nothing left to lose in the Big Ten and nothing left to lose nationally. Hmm. I mean, so I you're saying wait? You're saying I'm some... saying that if Wisconsin had beaten Illinois, they clearly had the mind the mentality that they could be in the playoffs. So you're saying the fact that now they're they pretty don't. much eliminated from the playoffs helps them in that they don't have the pressure of the no, no, playoffs. No, no, I, I don't. I don't know how they're going to react. Yeah, I mean, I think probably not like that though, because it doesn't make sense. It's counterintuitive because on one hand you're saying it's less pressure because they can't make the playoffs, but there is pressure that they can make the Big Ten championship. It's like, to me, it's one or the other. You you either think you got something to play for or you don't. That's my sense. What do you guys think? That's my sense too. Ken? I agree. I, I think they have something to play for. Well, I, I didn't say they don't have anything to play for. I, but it's just the sweet spot, I think, like the I think I think they have a lot less pressure now, and I don't know how they would re, how they respond to that as opposed to if they had the pressure of potentially 
God, if we win this, we could be in, we could be in the final four. And then you've got the, the Midwestern mentality. Because on one hand, I think sometimes we do too much of that. Thinking, oh, Iowa wins on the road as a favorite because they don't mess around. They're, they're farm boys. But I think there's something to it. But it does feel like Wisconsin's kind of playing for a, a bygone age in a way. Like, like we can, you know, the old school Nebraska football kind of stuff. Which, let's be candid, anyone that can remember that, it's just human nature. We all were younger in the past, right? Well, my, my thing is, though, if I'm Wisconsin and I win out, I feel that I'm in the playoff, even though my one loss is to a 30-and-a-half-point team. And here's, here's why I'll say that, RJ, because Oregon right now has a, a couple tough games in a row. They've got to go to USC next week. That's not a foregone conclusion that they're going to beat Helton. Helton does very well at USC, including 4-0 this year. So that's not so that could eliminate the Pac-12, totally eliminate the Pac-12. So then what? So you have Oklahoma, probably runs a table. There's one. You have Clemson, who probably runs a table, may get a really stiff test the last game in Columbia, non-conference game, but against yeah, yeah. Good so, South but, Carolina. But I think we're trying but to I'm do, saying, so you got Hold on, though. Teams. Hold on. I think we're doing too many permutations okay. because where's LSU in the mix? They lose by three at Alabama. What happens? It, LSU's right. got to come over that Wisconsin team in that game. So, to me, there's a you're chance. Right. You're right. You're, you're saying that if LSU hangs with Alabama, yeah. a team they have not hung with in the last five years at all. Yeah. yeah. So, to me, I think Dave's thinking about the right issue is what is Wisconsin's mindset? The more we talk yeah. about it, the more I think it's not a negative. I would say that much at least. Whatever the cause is, there is no sense of a dream crusher. You agree? I agree now. Well, continuing with the Ohio State game, you know, statistically, both these teams are either first or second in points per play, yards per game, and, and almost every important defensive statistical category. Turnovers are similar. I think the strength of schedule isn't that much different to warrant a huge adjustment. So I looked at this game, and I said a total of 51, which I thought was a little low for an OSU game. I guess that would imply about a 33-18 to 18 game. So at 51, they're giving me... If I take Wisconsin, 28% of the projected points before the game starts, I have to take them with Wisconsin's defense. Hmm. So you do. So Wisconsin's alike. It is. Uh oh. So now you do realize that's an auto bat. I understand. Oh, oh wow. Star. All right. So it's 200 against Ken, 200 no. against Brad. No, not against me. I just lean Buckeyes. What? Yeah. I'm gutless. Do you have your five likes? I do. Oh, yeah. All right. So you two, heads up. Now, since Dave's here to bet for himself, I'm going to stay away from this one. I can jump on it by discretion, though, <laughs> by discretion. All right. So I'll cover. If somehow he loses, I'll cover and get it Where, from Where's fake Fez? Fake Fez. <laughs> <laughs> Here's what we're going to do with fake Fez. He, fake Fez is good in, like, salt, I think. I think everyone likes fake Fez, but I think that only about half the people like a lot of fake Fez. So let's see what Fez has to say. Just a lean, but I wanted you guys to be aware of some information you might be ignorant of. If you think about the destruction against Cincinnati, 42 to nothing, looks amazing now that Cincy is 5-0 in other games. That's all. That's a good point. Yeah. Let's give him credit. Fake Fez. You're listening to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview.
And now, a word from Martellus Bennett, a professor at the Dosakis College Football Football College. Hey, college football fans. Martellus Bennett here. Do you want to win every football argument this season? Dominate every debate? Become a pigskin prodigy? Then enroll in a Dos Equis College Football Football College, where you'll learn from football insiders like me, Jay Cutler, Katie Nolan, and Arthur John Bacon, the man who wrote the book on college football. So be the first in your family to earn a football watching certificate from a beer school. Enroll in Dos Equis College Football Football College at dosequis.com backslash edu. Enjoy Dos Equis responsibly. Imported by Cervezas Mexicanas, White Plains, New York. Copyright 2019, Dos Equis Beer Brands. Official beer sponsor of the college football playoff. Finally, there's a football beer school for me. Thanks, Martellus. Now back to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. Alabama. Backup quarterback favored by 32 against Arkansas. Fezzik likes Arkansas. And Dave Essler likes Alabama. Dave. Yeah, I mean, when I first saw that 32, I was I was a little surprised at that with two out. But the more I thought about it, you know, it's it's stuck there at 32, and it's staying there for a reason. I looked at the game, and you got to think Mac Jones throws the ball less than 20 times, and I don't think any of them go more than five yards downfield, uh, especially with Arkansas allowing over 200 yards per game on the ground. You know, the Hogs listed Hicks and Starkle as co-starters. I don't think it matters. Between them, they've got nine TDs and been picked six times. Um, because Alabama has the bye next week, and we just talked about this before LSU, I, I look at this as, you know, Saban wants out early here. I think he's going to put him out of their misery early, uh, and I don't think he's going to let him back up, and I think if he wanted to, I don't think Arkansas can, uh, especially looking at what uh, Auburn did to them last week, which also surprised me. So I like Alabama here. Now... Luckily, we have fake, fake Fezzik here. <laughs> Mr. Essler, finally we meet. I like Arkansas. My overlord Fezzik likes Arkansas. Two is a huge downgrade, not priced in enough. The market's dumb compared to me. And you know it, there was a misleading final. Versus Tennessee, they won 35-13, but only one yardage by 142. Now, that implies that I don't think Alabama's very good. And in the second half with the backup Jones, 14-3. However, however, Alabama got a 100-yard fumble return with seven minutes left. A lot of people might ask, well, doesn't that seem to happen a lot with Alabama? Doesn't fit the narrative. They could have easily lost the second half. Bring it on, Mr. Essler. Best bet, Arkansas. That was pretty good. What th- do you think of fake Fezzik? I think he did a good job. <laughs> I'm impressed. I'm a, I might have to get sleepy to tell me what, what minute I need to look at. <laughs> but what I'm going to say is, RJ... That me and Dave are riding, ride or die, baby. Here's my handicap, Brad. You might want to perk up, learn something. Is <laughs> what is it that we always fear with a big favorite? Focus, yeah. desire. 
this is what a coach like Saban lives for. Why? Because the theory is he can ride his team before a bye, which is vital. If you had a big game, you might balance it. Yeah. Here it's going to be, oh, you guys, that one guy goes down and look, they think we're done. Oh, Ken Thompson likes Ohio State over us. Who knows, right? And the fact, <laughs> Oh, he's listening to that yeah, pod for the, sure. The, the fact of the matter is that there's all the things that f- take you off of a big winner like a Saban here, even though he's a big winner. The favorite's so big you can't play him. And history says he's not good in this spot. Yeah, 9-11 and 11 against the spread as a 30-point favorite. And is that because he's not good enough, or is it because he doesn't have the motivation? Doesn't have the motivation. I think he has the motivation here. I re- and then you got a one-dimensional offense, which means they're favored by 30-some sometimes when, when, you know, against really good offenses, but, you know, the team's just not good enough. They get down big, they're in big trouble. And they're going to, I mean, they're going to just swallow one-dimensional, inferior yeah. athletes. You're starting, go, go, baby. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I, on, I, I'm I, on Alabama. Too. Ah, we're picking on fast. Yeah, and, and here's the thing: there is a possibility. So you weren't on Alabama? No, I was. I was leaning Alabama. Lean, but now you're gone. Now I'm going like you got me. I just like every game. No, I won't do that. But here's the thing: on top of that, there's a chance that Tua can't play against LSU. So to me, I got to get Mac Jones ready. I got to spread the wings. I can't be conservative. And just have him hand. Now that's off. a good point. Have him hand off the whole game. I got to try it. He's got to be able to start throwing the ball to these elite wide receivers. So I don't think there's a really conservative game plan here. Now you know, Ken, you lean Arkansas. You can step up. We'll have like bets every which way here. I'm just leaning. Man. <laughs> I'm just leaning. And the reason being because I did watch the second half. I actually watched that game back on Bam, and Bama looked lousy in the second half, and not just. The quarterback, the new quarterback, the team didn't. Tennessee screwed up several chances to score. I thought Tennessee pushed them around, actually, in the trenches. Not used to seeing mm-hmm. Alabama in Tuscaloosa get pushed around in the trenches. Go back and watch the second half. Tennessee beat them up. Well, listen, here's what I know. is If Alabama's good or not is never my hand. Is even in my, it's, it's what's the motivation. Yeah. Because I, unless we're playing one of the best teams in the country. I hear you, though, is if you really think out. So right now you think... How many teams do you think are can are better than Alabama? Without Tua? Yeah, no, 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 no. That's what I'm talking about. Ohio State's the only team that I bet on to be better than Alabama. But it, right now, if you were making a a um a batter's line, so you're not trying to split the action, you're trying to split the Ohio result. State's the only team that I would bet right now on a neutral field over Alabama. So you think Alabama's better than Clemson? Yes. All right. So you don't think, but but they got pushed around by Tennessee in the second half. They did. They, no, I, I mean, know, they, but they had well, a lead. The question is, is it telling? How is it tell? Do you think it tells us anything? I think the I think the team was shell shocked because they knew that that's what didn't I think. Come yeah. out, they didn't come out and he didn't come out in the second half. Yeah, I'm not saying that motivation's not going to be here. And like uh, you know, Belichick when he's got Matt Castle in there, that it's not going to be there to try and win as many games and 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 show that your guy is okay, Mac Jones, because you have him as your backup. So you got to make sure that you're showing that there's not this major drop-off and that we weren't totally, you know, just blindsided by Hurts going to Oklahoma, that we don't have somebody else that's capable of backing up to a— That brings well. up another point. Go ahead. That's a good one. If, if, there is a, if there's a reason to get that last touchdown, it maybe is to say, oh, yeah, Hurts is fine. We got—this guy's just as good. Yeah. You know, and maybe he's not just as good, but whatever distance he can transverse to, to tighten that gap, the better. Right? And we want LSU to think he's good enough, right? Yep. Yeah, you do. I, I, I don't think you spent enough time on your point about 
motivation with Saban. I mean, if you don't think he doesn't look at the polls and he doesn't know that they're not number one and he doesn't see that everybody's saying Ohio mm-hmm. State this and Oklahoma that and uh, LSU this and, and our own conference, I mean, you don't think he doesn't know that? That's a – you know – Oftentimes with my very best points, I, I'll be too succinct and don't luxuriate in them. So thank you, Dave. <laughs> Brad- <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how to luxuriate yeah. without you. I don't, know, I don't know any of those times. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that, that's why it's funny. I'm going to push back a little bit, Ken, on your point that you know Tennessee pushed around Alabama. I'm going to tell you, Tennessee's not a good uh, football team when it comes to record-wise. But there's a big difference in talent disparity between Tennessee and Arkansas if you look at recruiting rankings. I agree with that. I don't think Arkansas is capable. Hell, they couldn't push around San Jose State. They're not going to push around Alabama. And also on top of it, I find it peculiar. So Arkansas hires Chad Morris. They get worse (laughs) from the Brett Bielema era. SMU gets rid of not only Chad Morris, but also Ben Hicks, who was at SMU with Chad Morris. And SMU's better without those guys. So... Of course, getting Shane Bouchelle to transfer from Texas helps yeah. out a little. Now, to me, whenever you talk how valuable a quarterback is, the easy part is the general number. So what do you got the two a downgrade at, John? Seven points. There is a distinction, home, road. But one of the classic distinctions is when you're a big, big favorite, it's less important. Because the theory is you're not going to have a lot of third and twelves that a two is able to throw where a backup maybe isn't. Yeah. You general, I mean, this is common wise guy consensus opinion that if you're a big favorite the value of a quarterback a superior quarterback decreases do you agree with that absolutely all right i agree with that but i don't uh, you're telling me that two is only seven points better than mac jones you got to be kidding me man so what number's yours 10 well you know what's funny uh generally in college there can be a bigger disparity right In the NFL, there's only been one time ever there's been a 10-point adjustment where Aaron Rodgers in his prime, I think it was 12 maybe, when he hurt his shoulder uh, or his uh, collarbone, I mm-hmm. think it was. Brad, what, 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 last thing here. Uh, I'm just trying to get a feel. Like, How much has this line been adjusted? Do you think it'd be 39? I think it's been adjusted more than a touchdown. I think it's been closer to like eight because my power ranks were really, relatively close on Alabama's and Auburn's games last week or Alabama and Arkansas's games last week. And, uh, yeah, my number's saying about two points higher on Alabama here. So at least eight, maybe even a little bit more. So, you know, while I disagree with Ken, I don't think he's worth 10. Maybe Ken, maybe the, yeah. real, the truth is in between our numbers. And I guess it's tough for me, RJ, because, I mean, an Alabama quarterback's never What's been— What's the pedigree, though, of this— uh, Not great. Match. Three-star kid. So that must mean he has him for a reason. Yeah. Did anyone get hurt— he has, that- it, did anyone get hurt that was supposed to be the second? No, guy? Mac Jones. So this is Saban yeah. came in the year saying this is my guy. Yeah, that's all I need to hear. <laughs> I'm serious. I mean, Great. to me, Saban at the college level is Belichick. And, and you can you can look at this eight ways to Sunday. You know, like Brad said, it's Arkansas, which used to be a hell of a team, right? You're talking about a program. I mean, in the '80s, RJ. He also lost his two best linebackers though early in the year, and I think he thought his defense was going to be how, much, but we're much back more to how good Alabama though. is in general. If you believe that they're just overrated, then that's no, but I'm a, saying you, like, don't, you don't need to. You don't need to. You don't need to like, worry about your backup quarterback as much if you have a stifling yeah, but stuff, Saban, defense. Here's what, remember the famous line in in the big, um, not the big short, is the the blind side is in the movie. Mm-hmm. Is they say, yep, we're we're mailing these out. God darn Saban makes us FedEx them. That came from reality. Saban's a nut 
when it comes to everything's right. You think he's thinking, well, we got a good defense. I don't need to go recruit a, a super fresh backup. I'm going to take a nap. <laughs> I mean, Sab- no. Saban's making a choice. I'm assuming they have a, some super fresh third string. Yeah, right? to his brother. There's a reason he's third string. Yeah. Right? Have we heard anything that he might be second string? Like, he's going like to get more nip- reps in this game, but Mac Jones clearly the backup. Well, that brings up another point, yeah. though. If they do ha- go to third string, it looks like, remember where. Again, I think they're going to. Let, let's see what the kids got. Yeah. Spread but, your wings. But even a if bit. it's late and they're up 40 and they're thinking, well, there's a small chance of a back door, which, you know, maybe yeah. not. It, remember where we swung with Alabama when Tua became the backup? Explain that. Yeah, so when Tua. Because it used to be sitting on the ball. Yeah, sitting on the ball. But when you had that dynamic between Jalen Hurts and Tua Tungavailoa, oh my God, you're, no matter who was the backup in that scenario, it was like, oh my God, I mean, you, you're not, there's not that much of a downgrade. I mean, even if they're being conservative, these are such good quarterbacks. That- yeah, so the skill, but also I think. Because he wanted Tua to get reps. Yeah. They, were they opened more up a little bit yes, more. Exactly. Whereas in years past, Malinsky was betting under in yes. the second half of the Alabama games, and it was stealing money yes. because they just sat on the ball. Yep. Next game, Texas, TCU. We have a double like from Fez and Esler, and then Brad Powers is fading both of them. A two-on-one Malachi Crunch style. Davis. Yeah, I, I like TCU here, RJ. I mean, I, I know I know Brad's going to tell me this is the first-ranked team TCU will face, um, but they did beat Purdue badly on the road. I know it's not the same Purdue team we see now, uh, but TCU also crushed a Kansas team that Texas allowed 48 points to last week. So to me, this is about TCU at home. Uh, they need six wins for bowl eligibility. Uh, they don't have any gimmies left. And this is about Texas on the road for only the second time, and the first time being a much closer-than-expected game at West Virginia. I looked at Texas on the road last year. Their biggest margin of victory, when not in Austin, was by seven points, and to Kansas. I just can't Mm. take Texas on the road here. I like TCU. What's your take, KT? I lean towards Texas. The only thing I look at is... When in doubt, I'm taking Ellinger over Duggan. I mean, I'm that's just where I'm at. TCU already lost at home to SMU. I, and look, Ellinger, yeah, they, they didn't think Kansas was as good as they were. But Kansas came to play, and it was a game that Texas still found a way to get it done at the end on the final drive to get the uh, Cameron Dicker, the kicker, field goal to win the game. Texas just happy to escape that game. They'll be focused for this. It's in Fort, Fort Worth, and it's still a big brother, little brother attitude for Texas. Yeah, I'm a, I'm disagree. That's hence the crossfire music here. I like Texas, and I know this is going to sound really square. To me, the line says it's going to be a really close game, right? It's one-point spread here. And to me, who do you trust in a one-score game? It's going to come down to the final possession. Either TCU's got the ball, Texas has the ball, and who would you rather have, Sam Ellinger or a true frost quarterback? His stats are okay, and Max Duggan, no relation to Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Oh, for you wrestling fans, you guys didn't watch that? Man, crickets. And and my other point is this. I really like Gary Patterson. I think he's done a tremendous job at TCU. But the last three, four years, I'm starting to wonder if the game's starting to pass him by. I mean, keep in mind, he's going near year 20 here in in Fort Worth. And you just look at how he does against Big 12 teams the last four years, counting this year. 
10 and 21 against the spread. I'm wondering if the game's starting to pass by a defensive genius for 10, 15 years in college football. I'm just not seeing it anymore. There's just not the same energy in this program that there was in 2014, 2015, when they almost made the college football playoff. I can't disagree with any of that. Um, I, I just, um, you know, I think a lot of that stuff's already factored in maybe. I mean, I think we know TCU isn't what they were. Totally agree with you about Patterson. Um, he just can't recruit like he used to. And I think that just continues to spiral down. But I, I look at this as just, it's one game. I think TCU really, really, really needs it. Uh, and at home, I think they get it. Um, you know, if I uh, felt stronger about it, I'd, I'd make it a best bet. But Texas. But still, you got money Texas, on it, baby. Texas, I, yeah, but a couple hundred bucks with you, yeah. that's fun money. Oh, jeez. Confidence, Dave Asler. All right. Ken, what you got? I just, I, we, we talked about it. I lean towards Texas. Oh, I cool. Re- yeah, I'd rather have Ellinger over uh, Duggan any time. I can't lie. I went out and grabbed a snack. Yeah. But, you missed the great line. I don't know if you would have gotten it. They didn't, RJ. I did, but I didn't know if I was supposed to. Oh, <laughs> wow. So it wasn't funny. Who was it? Well, the quarterback for TCU's Max Duggan. I was like, no relation to Hacksaw Jim. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it should have been like a two-by-four, maybe. Yeah. So- something, you know, like. I, know. I did the ho. Oh, then that's no one, it. Yeah. Home run. Yeah. Speaking of home run. Remember. Uh-oh. I forgot. You'll never forget about me in the end. I'm fake Fezzik. Fezzik's my overlord. I like TCU. As you can imagine, Texas is overrated. They only lost by seven versus Oklahoma, but nah. They were outgained by 200 yards. Now, TCU is underrated. They lost recently to Iowa State and Kansas State. Yeah, doesn't count. I don't like that outcome. They were outscored by 32 points last two weeks. However, however, they were only outgained by seven yards. Now, I know it seems nonsensical. I don't care. TCU it is, and whoever I'm batting, I won't have to pay if I lose. That's the overlord's job. Okay. He's sassy. Yeah. It's like it's like Fezzik's worst traits against Fez. He doesn't like Fezzik. See, that's what's weird. It's almost like you ever meet one of those kids that's really like his father, like a boy who's really like his father, and he hates his father because he hates yeah. himself. There's something like that going on here. <laughs> <laughs> it's not quite as innocent. <laughs> it's even sicker. So to recap, so really all we – I mean – does he really think that all you have to do is look at the box score and look at the yards and the and say, well, let's add up. I mean, that would a simple Excel program, you could add up all the net margins, add up the records, and take the best net margins of yards relative to the the record, you know, a yeah. bad record. And I think actually over a lot of games, like if you had a 162-game season, like in base, I think that works. But if you're looking at one or two games where – Junkyard. There's all these different factors. I, I I think you need volume for that kind of yeah. stuff. And in the NFL, he'll break in. He'll go into it. In college, he doesn't. But that's another example. That's another example where Fezzik is so much better on on game day because then he's got all his sources. So he yeah. has his initial thoughts. He adds in the source. And, and Ken, you do betting with him, right? You guys mm-hmm. bet. Yep. I mean, when he's got all his sources and his record shows it on the all access. Yep. There's no one better, except maybe Dave Essler. 
Well, I think in college, Fez is shockingly good. I love that we get to get him on Tuesday. Yeah. Let's just say that. I agree. <laughs> so to recap, Fezzik, represented by fake Fezzik, likes TCU. Dave likes TCU. Brad likes Texas. What is your and, and it's a it's a famed a victim of the infamous Malachi Crunch. What's your love with taxes? Oh, I don't have that. No, much. no, 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 no. You do. No, I bet him season win Dude. total under. It was like one of my biggest bets. Then somehow it's made you reconsider because you've been on taxes like a bunch lately. Wouldn't we agree? Yeah, because I was down on them, but the market's more down on them. I understand I that by definition, when you like a game, you think I like their quarterback. I'm asking Sam, what you Sam like Allen. about. I love Sam Ellinger. He's one of my favorite college football players in the last decade. I agree. And I he's agree. probably he's my main reason my handicap of this game. Line says it's going to be a one-possession game. I'm going to trust Sam Ellinger, who's been there, done that, three straight years over a true freshman quarterback. You better, call me square, you but... I just hope you got the ball last. That's all I can say. I can hear that. And my other... the but, other but In a way, yeah. though, you're talking about profiling the game again, yeah. right? Yeah. Is if it is late, because an inexperienced quarterback is in the power ratings. Yep. It's building. Yep. But and the line is about right, right? Yes. What's your line say? Uh, TCU by a half. So you're saying line's right. Yep. Pick them. But you're saying if it gets to be late, even not just last possession, but last eight minutes. Yep. You want this the the this. I want leader. Sam Ellinger. Yep. That makes some sense, Dave. What would you respond to that? I want the home team. Oh, now that's interesting too. Yeah. Here's the other thing. I mean, when you remember Ellinger against Oklahoma, yeah, they probably should have got blown out of that game early, but they didn't. And the longer the game went with Texas being involved. They were right there at the end with the chance to win that football game. Next game, another crossfire. Wow. And this one is another. Wait a minute. You got a like on this too, Dave. This is the Oregon-Washington State. Yeah, I think we have some disagreements. All right. So, guy, this I've, we've never had a two-on-two. Nice. I know Minaj. I'm not sure after that. <laughs> so, <laughs> I can't lie. We got Dave. On Oregon. We got Fezzik represented by his overlord, fake Fezzik, on Oregon. We got the two college experts, Ken and Brad, doing a fist of death on Washington State. Dave, you're the visitor. You got honors. Well, I know these guys are going to point to the Ducks game with USC and fall in love with Wazoo here, and that's certainly a factor. But the Ducks you have can't lost. read their notes and then try I mean, to counterpunch well, well, them before it, they get it, a chance to say That's all right. <laughs> how can it not be a factor? I mean, obviously it's a factor. But I think it's trumped by the fact that the Ducks have lost to Washington State three straight years. I, I don't think they're going to look at this as anything but revenge. I think they need the style points. You know, they're in it for the Final Four here. That if, they're a, if they're a one loss to Auburn team, they can make a great playoff case. And I'll go back to my home road thing. You know, Wazoo hasn't, run a road ga- hasn't won a road game. You know, they melted down at Arizona State. Thank you very much. Uh, obviously, that UCLA meltdown. And I keep coming back to Oregon's got a really balanced offense. And then I go and look at State's 109th in, in yards per pass defense. So I like Oregon, uh, and I think they have the ability and the wherewithal and the motivation to cover this number. I'm thinking of batting with you guys with Washington State. I want to hear it, but here's my rationale. If you have a series record, and I don't know enough to know this, has Oregon had the same coach the last three years? Yeah. Okay. If you have a series record when it's coach against coach, 
I think sometimes that can influence the line overly. But the time you got to value it greatly is when you have a quirky offense or defense, but a quirky offense. Why? Because this is like you don't see quite le- – you know, I know teams are getting more like it, but you don't see the leech offense, right? So if you've struggled against it three years in a row, that tells me a lot more than some other team doing well against some other team. Would you agree with that, Brad? Totally agree with that, RJ. And I am on Washington State here. You mentioned three in a row. How about nine in a row where it counts most? Our pocketbooks. Washington State, nine and oh against the spread against Oregon. How many years has Leach been there? Ooh, that's a good call. Because that's the only one that matters, yeah. right? So I think it's like finish eight. your handicap and then you can uh, you know, look that up. Yeah, and average cover by sixteen points per game. So not a lot of close games in that nine game streak. And to me, just it's situationally not a good spot for Oregon. They're off a very emotional game against Washington. They rally from behind, two touchdowns down in the second half. They get that. Oh, you can sigh a relief. We got that big win. And who's on deck? Big bad USC. I just not only the series history, but the spot is telling me Washington State, especially getting a juicy number with that offense that's constantly throwing late. I think back doors wide open. And profile the game. You're down 28. Who is going to be have amnesia better than a, a, a leash team? Yep. I think keep the chance of coming it. back down 28 here is as good as any team in the country. And, the, yeah, Oregon's defense is much better this year, but they got kind of exposed last week. Are you kidding me? I mean, Jacob Eason was throwing left and right all over uh, Oregon. Ken, you know it. You had Washington in that game. Yeah, I know. It, it makes me sick, actually, really, to know that they blew that game. A 10-point lead with six minutes to go, plus three. I mean, and lose by four. It was, mur- it was murder. But Max Borgie rushed for 105 yards last week. That's something that's not been part of Wazoo's offense this year. They've been throwing, throwing, throwing. Now, Borgie is an excellent receiver. He had nine receptions last week, 57 yards and a touchdown. That's what he's been doing, but he has not rushed for more than 30 yards. He had 105 on the ground, plus the 57 receiving that to me shows me that leach is making a concentrated effort to hand the ball off once in a while to keep the defenses honest he did that last week he'll do it enough to cover a 14 point spread Austin's a tough place to stay, to play i i think oregon probably gets the win but i think wazoo keeps it inside of 10 points this is the first time in history there's been five bats going on here so, well, I guess it's more, right? I've got two. You got two. Yeah. You got two. So it's six bets. Yeah. And it's three on two. That's so unbelievable. just to be clear, Brad, Ken, and me, the college experts, I'm the champion last year. <laughs> on one side, <laughs> true or not? True. On the other side, fake Fezzik's gone. I guess he doesn't like the handicap. He didn't even, isn't even going to, it's something about balanced teams. I mean, it didn't make a lot of sense. And then he says, oh, Washington State's been on the road, and they're 0 for 2 year to day. I mean, what does that even mean? Is 0 that... for 2? They went on the road against Houston. I know it was neutral. State, Those but games it... must not count. <laughs> well, if it's neutral, it's neutral. Yeah. It wasn't. I was in the same city where Houston plays. Ugh. But listen, it doesn't fit the narrative. You yeah. don't know that yet? Yeah. So just to be clear, Brad versus Astler. Brad versus Fez. Ken versus Astler. Ken versus Fez. RJ versus Astler. First time ever. But if I got Brad, I need two of them on my side. And plus, let's be honest, I want to get win money from Fez. Yeah, you do. I mean, I just there is an you extra. You want to win or you're expecting Wait, to win? I'm expecting to yes. win. It, it's true. <laughs> Dave, you're in a bad spot here. Nope. You want to buy out? Nope, nope. All, all valid points. All valid points. You do points. like <laughs> good points? 
Well, Ken, what, what one concerns you the most? Um, your, your point about Oregon potentially struggling with Washington State over time and not being able to adjust for it, I, I, can, I can see that. And, and to be honest, that's the only reason I went against you because it, I feel like that is 95% of the time you're right. There's an overreaction, that kind of thing. But I do think when they're quirky, it can be, you know, like going against an option team. Yeah. Right? If, if someone's lost to an option team three years in a row, it means more. Yes. Wouldn't you agree? Absolutely. And Leach has been there seven of those nine ATS covers. And you're saying the ATS margin in those seven is? Six, uh, in those nine, it was 16 points per game. And what was the last two, the, the eighth and the ninth? Because I just, I mean, unless those were monsters, it's still very pertinent. All right. Good stuff. Any closing thoughts there? Nope. I mean, I, I would argue that maybe some of those Washington State-Oregon games were when, when Oregon State went through some really bad years and some really tough transitions. But the theory is and, that and, the ATS is accounting for that, right? Yeah, maybe, uh, in theory, correct. We will, we will see Saturday. Yes, we will. Last two years, covers by Washington State by 20-and-a-half and 11-and-a-half. The last two, when, what I meant was the ones that were the eighth and ninth year that wasn't Leach. Oh, that wasn't that wasn't Leach. Uh, Fifteen and a half and uh, twenty and a half were the margins. So right in the range. Yes. All right. So during the Leach years, it's about the same ATS margin yes. of what? Sixteen points per game. I'll take it. LSU Auburn. Now, if I recall, holy camoly. <laughs> We got another three-person crossfire. Ken on one side, Auburn. Brad on the other on LSU. And Fezzik has a pick. I'll wait to reveal during Fake Fezzik's presentation. Here we go, Ken. I think Auburn's defense will be the best defense that LSU has faced. Yes, they faced Florida, and we all know that score was deceiving. That was a one-score game. for the offense. And put up 42 points on 48 plays. Did you, did you, did you lose a bet on that game, Ken? Brad did, too. Yeah. We but that's the deceiving score. No, no, no. I'm just saying. It, there was an interception in the end zone. Oh, I get it on team. LSU's defense. That's what I'm talking about. Okay. That's what I was talking about. Auburn, though, I think their defense is going to put more pressure on Joe Burrow. Now, let's remember Joe Burrow in the Texas game way back when. Everybody put so much luster on that Texas team that struggled to beat Kansas by three points or two points at the end on a last-second kick. So how good really is that Texas win now? Is it as good as we all thought it was? I don't think it is. So now let's look at Joe Burrow in that game. He completes a third and 17. If he doesn't get it, they're, they're, they're in a lot of trouble. That play ends up going for a touchdown and makes that score very deceiving there with LSU beating Texas. Now, Auburn, great defensive pressure. And they've gone to two tough venues. They've won at A&M convincingly, and they lost at Florida, where the youngster nicks through three interceptions. I think he matures a little bit. Yes, they're still missing Booby Whitlow in the backfield, but Cam Martin's done enough there. And I think the Auburn defense will keep this a lower-scoring game by getting pressure on Burrow, sacking Burrow a few times, and putting him on his wallet. And this game, therefore, LSU may win, but I think it's a one-score game, R.J. Now, do you like the under parlay? Do you think there's a correlation? Meaning- I do. I do. I think if Auburn is to cover this game, that this will be a lower-scoring game, yes. Now, that's uh, fascinating. So the, the pick we're going to document, the pick we're batting against, in this case with Brad, is Auburn plus 10.5. Brad? I'm on LSU minus the 10.5, and, and you mentioned it, KT. Auburn's going to get pressure on Joe Burrow, and Auburn's better than Florida. They have to be a hell of a lot better than Florida because Florida, who came into that LSU game, number one in the SEC in sacks, 
didn't lay a finger on Joe Burrow. And I mentioned that what was misleading maybe was Florida's offensive success against LSU's defense, but wasn't misleading was LSU's success offensively against Florida. 42 points in 48 plays. They only had the ball for 20 minutes and still put up 42 points. But here's where I really like LSU, other side of the ball. I think LSU's defense is going to shut down Auburn, at least make them one-dimensional. LSU's in the top 10 in the nation in rush defense. And to me, if they can shut down Auburn, you're going to put the game, the ball in the hands of your true freshman quarterback, Bo Nix. Ken, how did that work out for you when you had to put the ball in your true freshman quarterback's hands against Florida on the road? Listen, I, I'm hoping he learned from that. Look, not every freshman's going to play a great game his first time out. He threw three picks, so hopefully he learns from it. Auburn, very, listen, they got to win in, at Texas at uh, Texas A&M. That's a tough place to go for a yeah. freshman, right? Yep. And they were rather dominant. I lost money on that, too, but... I didn't think that Knicks would be the guy that could go into College Station and get a win convincingly, and he did. So I'm looking at him not to win the game, stay inside 10 points. Brad, that's all I got to do. Okay, now, to me, what's the given is there's going to be reasons for both. Otherwise, it scares me. Again, uh, we got a game coming up, which everyone's on the same side. I'm, I'm always apprehensive unless they have different reasons because the line is what it is for a reason. And it's not, if it's too obvious, it's probably not true. So let's get Dave started. He only has a lean here. And then uh, Fake Fezzik is here. Yeah, I'm with Ken here. I, I lean Auburn. I mean, I, I, was, I, was, I was on Florida when, when uh, they went into there. And, and Nick's got kind of exposed. But I'm going to go with Ken. I, I think that's experience for them. And I, and I know, to Brad's points, all the talk about borrowing the offense but LSU's defense kind of scares me. I mean, they gave up 38 points to Vanderbilt, uh, not only just 38 points to Texas. And these guys just have such a history of playing close games. The last three years, they've been five points or less final margins. Um, it's not a night game. I think that that's a big deal for Auburn here. I guess to me it's all on how well Knicks plays. And I, and I think with that suspect defense, I can't trust LSU not to leave the back door open. Um, I trust Gus Malzahn. I lean Auburn. <coughs> My pick is Auburn. Blah, 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 lucky LSU. Blah, 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 turnover. Wow. (laughs) 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 And we've got... (laughs) Well, that's all, though. We got Fez against Brad, LSU-Auburn. We got Ken against Brad, LSU-Auburn. Blah, 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 turnover. (laughs) Where are you on that, RJ? I don't know. I I do feel like sometimes there's a phenomenon, and I feel like LSU is a phenomenon because this team, my only experience was I was at that LSU-Oklahoma game back, you know, 15 years ago, and the enthusiasm for LSU down there is insane. I mean, we saw with, you know, obviously Les Miles is looking like a pretty good coach. Right, yep. and you had Brad do research on the day game where they've been more dominant on the point spread. That is true. Eight, eight and one, I believe you said, Brad, in the day games. That right? was, uh, and wasn't me. It was yeah, Mackenzie, Mackenzie yep. and I, and we thought to do yep. some work, and right. yep. and and Brad was uh, participating for sure. Yep. And the day games don't hurt them. Yeah, and some of that I think the market got so caught on. Any closing? Up next, Clemson losing a little luster, thirty-three and a half. 
hosting Boston College. Brad, you got some answers for Clemson. I've been telling you they're no good. You've been you've been fighting me. Where are you at? No, I like Clemson still. Uh huh. But yeah. you don't like. But I'm guessing. Let me guess. You don't like him here. No, I only no, lean with them. No, no, lean, lean. Yeah, it's only a lean here. But here's where I'll... But you like them. I do like Clemson. In theory. I when think you don't have start... to risk money. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> I risked the... No... Hey, I risked more on this podcast I know, than but I let's not act like you have this great love for Clemson. Fair enough. Well, because I like the... I kind of like Boston College. But as far as Clemson goes, I'm starting to feel like they're getting a little agitated. Here's the team. This is all Clemson's done. Defending national champs. Still unbeaten. I'm gone from number one to number four in the AP poll, despite the fact they're basically uh, a touchdown away with five seconds left from A&M from being six and one against the spread. Everyone's still overreacting to that near loss against North Carolina a few but games back. But why is back. that an overreaction? That, that feels like when you don't play anybody, something's got to matter. Yeah, but when they're playing, I get it. They don't play anybody in the ACC, and that's the one bad game they've had against the ACC. Last 12 games in conference. They're eleven and one against the spread. Yeah, that means that they're running up against weak a team running it up against weak people. Let me ask you a question. All yeah. joking aside, let's say that you play six games at minus twenty eight. Right? Yep. You're favored by twenty. Would you rather someone have three of them they win by twenty, not covers, three they win by thirty five covers, so they're three and three against the spread? Grade that team. Okay. Now you've got five games they win by thirty five, and one game they win by one. Which is more telling? Mm, probably the the latter. That's what I think. Yeah. So I well, th- that's what the market thinks because they continue so, to. So, so let's not bellyache about it. Let's yeah. embrace it. Fair enough. Here's what I do see. I mean, I get it. Trevor Lawrence has struggled, and he threw two more interceptions last week at the goal line. Otherwise, they murder Louisville. Who was the last? Game. Who was the one person you knew that questioned Trevor Lawrence? R.J. Bell. Be honest. R.J. Bell. At the start of the season, I'm like, what do we know about this guy? Yeah. A handful of games against R.J. Bell. I and again, he might end up being a great NFL quarterback. But we didn't have enough data to be sure. Agree. Colin and his talk about John, you know, the greats of all time, John Elway, Andrew Luck, and Trevor Lawrence. Yes. 14 touchdowns, eight interceptions. He has doubled the amount of interceptions as he did a year ago. And to me, he's kind of forcing the issue a little bit. I think he kind of fed into all that talk the offseason. But here's what I do like about Clemson. It's the defense, who I expected, even though I'm Mr. Clemson, I expect the defense to take a step back this year. They haven't. Every major category, better than last year's team. Except what was their level of competition last year compared to now? What, of course, I mean, what's factored into last year's full season stats is games against Alabama. Oh, and Notre Dame that might have a little influence. Fair enough. But, I mean, it's Thank not, God I'm here. It's not like I'm... It's not like they played a lot of tough teams in the regular season last but, year. But are you are you quoting just regular season stats that they're taking a step back on? Then it doesn't matter. Yeah. I will d- do further leg That's work fine. On that. And then lean, you have a point. Lean Clemson. <laughs> Listen, I love Davo. And, and in a way, I kind of want to root for Clemson. It's just his love for Trevor Lawrence. All right. Fair enough. Speaking of Trevor Lawrence, you're backing him here in a roundabout way, Dave. In a roundabout way. Um, I mean, you know. You can say what you want about who Clemson played, but any team that's going to go through that pseudo-cupcake schedule is going to have a game where they just don't show up, and, and North Carolina was it. When does Alabama have those games? Uh, last week against Tennessee. So they, they won by how many? They, I don't think they Three covered. Three touchdowns. 
But well, we're not saying that yeah. every team covers every game. I'm saying well, when you're a 28 point between, favor, you don't have a two point conversion. To but Dabo's had these games and they still have won titles, which is a, a sign of uh, perhaps flaws in the system. Fair enough. Well, I think that will come up. I mean, you know, you can argue Boston College all you want. It's pretty hard for me to not overlook getting almost five touchdowns. But the best team BC played is probably Louisville, and they lost. And this is a Louisville team that just lost to 35 by at Clemson. And as Brad said, that probably could have been a whole lot worse. And the spot here, Clemson's got Wofford next week, so it's not a look ahead. And, and I just think, you know, like Alabama, you know, like Saban sees the polls, Dabo does too. I don't think he talks about him as much. You know, but people aren't talking about Clemson anymore, and, and I think that might irritate them. I can see him resting a lot of people in the second half, but I like Clemson minus 20-and-a-half first half, especially under, under three touchdowns there. I, mean, I can see him coasting in the second half, but, but I think they, they do enough damage in the first half to just make, make the game be over. And this is a game you're betting, where you, you're betting the first half. Correct. It's a like. All right, guys, any closing thoughts? Nope. Let me say this. I really respect Dabo. There's some Dabo stats that are unbelievable. And I also think Clemson probably, if I had to say, national titles next seven years, and we did a draft, this year's year one, I think I'd take Clemson. That's a lot. I think it's Clemson, Ohio State, and Alabama. Only reason Alabama's not one is Saban won't coach seven more years most likely. And I I just don't think anyone's going to be as good as him there. High State, I'm a big day guy, as you guys know. Here's the thing about Clemson. We kind of discovered this, or you discovered the data, and we thought it through together, Brad. When they've won these titles, if you look at and you take a blend and say, okay, seniors are worth 2X, juniors are worth one uh, one and a half x sophomores one, freshmen 0.75. I'm just doing that off the top of my head. Then you take the recruiting rankings of the four prior years. So you're always going to wait the four years ago most because that's the seniors. Yeah. The fact that Clemson's won these titles without they, top five talent, it, not top, it's not top ten, right? Yeah. They were like sixteen, yeah, on a couple av- years ago, sixteen. So now they're recruiting how well? Yeah, the upcoming class is number one, and by most accounts, going to be one of the best classes in the history of college football. So to me, Dabo is a rare coach, and we talked about Harbaugh and some of those limitations. He's a disciplined guy. He at least keeps his team disciplined, but he doesn't rub the players the wrong way. He's got an ability to keep these amazing assistants together. Why would that end? Yep. Could, but why would it? And he's recruiting as well as anyone. Yep. He was winning a fair share without that. Yep. So, and you don't know if Saban's going to retire in two years. So, to me, that it's Clemson, Ohio State, Alabama would be my three. No disagreement. Exactly the same order for me. Oklahoma before my concern with Oklahoma. Only reason I don't have him ahead of Alabama, does Lincoln Riley leave for maybe the Cowboys? That would be my only concern there. Just off the top of the head, Dave, uh, not because I, you know, not uh, we hadn't, hadn't prepared for this. What would your list be? Of top four? Yeah, top three, top four of if you could win a 10000 bucks every time they won a national title in the next seven years, who would you want? Oh, I'll go with you. I'll, I'll go with Saban, Dabo, Ohio State, and, and I kinda, I'm kind of with Brad. You know, the whole Lincoln-Riley thing. So, yeah. so I, I agree with you guys. I mean, just the stability and the, you know, what they've shown the last five or six years and, uh, and, and the recruiting. I mean, I don't see it changing. And to some degree, being the ACC, though, you never know how good a conference is going to be. Good point. Uh, Very strong. But yet, RJ, but, that's why RJ is the defending college no. champ. <laughs> 
on his way to a two-time title. <laughs> He's well, going on a yeah, it, has, it hasn't hurt him yet, so yeah. what, you know, what would make you think it would in the future? Here's what I don't like about Clemson. One is the overreaction, and I'm talking generally. But one is this. The committee has to be ruthless if you're a good team and you're not playing good out of conference. I wish this was like, who likes the Mayweather, let's do a boxing analogy. Who likes the Mayweather era where him and Pacquiao circled each other for all that time? Nobody. But how many fights did Sugar Ray Leonard lose? Nobody even can probably tell you. Right? It was more than zero. Yeah. But some of the great fights were the ones he lost. How many did Hagler lose? Well, we know he lost to Sugar Ray. Does anyone think less of them? Hitman Hearns. Think about it. Duran, the fourth best fighter just in that middle class of that era, is probably more respected than Mayweather. Because May, but Mayweather's got the 50 and 0. I respect that. But how much better would it be if he had fought if he had fought Pacquiao three times and it was 2-1, he'd have more respect. Yeah. That whole in the prime, not not exactly three years or maybe too late. five times. Yeah. Over, I mean, how great would that be? Like once yeah. a year, every, you know. Yeah. And there's that great line I always quote in Raging Bull, where Jake LaMotta and Sugar Ray Robinson fought like nine times, and one of those later fights, they go, "Here we go," thir-, you know, announcers going thirteenth round, and you know the boys. It's like they've been yeah. fighting since you can remember, and when you think about the fourteenth. Listen, I get it. Uh, Ali probably was brain damaged from the thrill in Manila. Frazier was probably brain damaged. We're not talking about that. Let's set it aside and accept that by definition, these athletes are taking risks beyond the person on the couch. The idea that Ali has a three and a half year absence, conscientious objector, religious reasons, the idea at the time is if you were a Republican voter, odds were very good you were against all you hated him. You called him Cassius Clay. Undefeated. Anyone with a brain thought Ali is as good as we've ever seen a boxer. Now, they didn't know how great he was yet. And what's amazing about Ali is he never got hit. If you watch all his fights before uh, his hiatus, there was one fight in London. My dad always told me this famous story where the Dundee sl- su- supposedly slashed the glove. I think it was against a guy named Cooper. But he, Ali went to London, didn't care. It was in another, you know, back then you didn't want to travel to the other place and have a fight because the judges were going to be in the pocket and all that. Ah, he didn't care. And Ali, I think sixth round or whatever, was in trouble, got back to the corner. Dundee slashes the glove. So now it takes five minutes to get the, the new glove. Yeah. Ollie's battery wins the fight. So he got hit there. Really otherwise didn't get hit very much. So they said, this guy's faster than anyone we've ever seen, but can he take a punch? The amazing thing about the post-hiatus Ali, he was the greatest taker of a punch ever. Like no one could, if you watch, no one ever did the rope-a-dope before because the idea of letting George Foreman hit you was insane. Ali could do it. So you combine that Ali young Fast with the chin he ended up proving who's beating him? Nobody. But three and a half years. But everyone still thought Ali. And it was the biggest fight ever. I mean, the first Ali Frazier, Sinatra, Madison Square Garden. I mean, you, you look at the ringside, it's like, oh my. 
And then when Frazier hits him with that left hook, knocks him down for the first time in his career, he lost. And then the thing people forget, he lost to Ken Norton after that, who was a hell. I mean, Ken Norton today would be the champ and it wouldn't even be close. But then he fought his way back, fought his way, and then he fought against Foreman, Zaire, Rumble in the Jungle. He was a plus 450 underdog in that. People don't oh, know wow. that. Plus 450. Fra- I mean, remember, it's a famous Howard Cosell call, Down Goes Frazier, uh, is when Foreman knocked Frazier down six times in the first two rounds. So Frazier had just beat Ali, yep. and then he knocks him down six times. What do you think? Again, and now Ali's lost to Ken Norton in the interim, wins that amazing fight, and then you get finally, to wrap this up, the thrill in Manila, the, the third time they fight, Frazier, Ali beat him the second time. It wasn't as good of a fight. And it was the 14th round. And it was like a war, right? I mean, like, a, I've never seen a fight as close to this brutal. Because they each had slowed down just a smidge. But they could still punch just as hard. Mm-hmm. So what was happening was they were hitting each other so much more. Whereas in the first fight, they were fast enough. to You know, this was like almost four years later, I think. Yeah, about three, I think. It was 74 was the third one, if I'm not mistaken. And imagine that. First fight went 15. Second fight went 15. 14th round is over. The, the story is, Ali said, cut my gloves off. I can't do it. And then they look over, and he goes, hold on, hold on. And then you see the bus over in, 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 in uh, Frazier's side. Frazier's, you know, his manager says he can't go on. So the rumor is Ali was going to quit. Wow. Frazier quit first. So the 45th round doesn't get fought. I mean, to me, <laughs> I mean, how, how do you, I don't think there's anything in sports that matches that. And if you haven't seen the thrill in Manila, it's like, it is really amazing. What do you think? Have you seen the thrill in Manila? I have not. How, I think what we should do is during the college like the week where the bowls haven't started in like December 10th or whatever, you make a point to watch. Once you're done with your bowl handicapping, and we'll do a little 10 minutes on it. All right. Have, you've seen it, right, Dave? Mm-hmm. Were, I mean, am I, am I under, overselling no, it? It was pretty electric. It really was. Well, especially with, with, with Howard. Now, was he announcing the third one or no, the first one? But I think he would have been, actually. But I don't remember ever seeing a feed that Howard – Cosell was doing for the third one, but he, but you would think he didn't really quit boxing until like 1980, I think. Well, you know, where Cosell said, I don't want to do it. I could be wrong. No, you might be right. I'm saying there probably is a, cause it's always weird. The feeds, cause there was closed circuit back then. So it wasn't like the, uh, pay-per-view you had to go to a theater. I remember I was like nine, you know, like nine years old when Ali, or I guess eight, when Ali fought Holmes, which, you know, he was pretty done. But we, me and my dad went to, my dad was a big boxing fan. We went to, or is, went to the uh, closed circuit to watch it in Wheeling. And it was cool. It was cool. Uh, I guess they have, you know, you think about that. They do that now a decent amount where if there's a big, like the Super Bowl, you can go to the theater. Yeah. I think they, I thought they might have done that for Mayweather Pacquiao. Oh, that, I think they did actually. Cause I, you know, it's a good idea because I get, if you're going to go to someone's house. Yeah. But for the people that, you know, are in cities where they haven't made a lot of friends yet or whatever, that'd be cool, yeah. Well, I stand corrected. It was Bob Sheridan. Oh, okay. In, in the third one. 
But Ali, or I'm sorry, but Cosell was in the, was his call, the first one is famous. Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously the, the. I might have been old enough to see some of those actually live. I didn't need to watch the feed. <laughs> to bring it back around, very logically, how great would it be if Clemson was like Temple even in college basketball back with Cheney, yeah. right? You were always scared of Temple, even they had 13 losses some years. Yeah. Because they would go play anywhere, yeah. right? When UNLV went and played at Arkansas, that famous game in 91. That is what I remember most about that team. That and they were laying nine and lost to Duke. <laughs> but, you know what's funny? Here in Vegas, I wasn't here, but I've met a lot of people since. They swear Tark threw that game. Wow. They swear. They said he was throwing the spread. He didn't mean to lose. And at the end, they just accidentally lost. But, yeah, Tark had it. Let's say a lot was going on here in yeah. Vegas, no doubt. So – do you disagree? Is, I don't at all. I wish more teams would play each other. But I, I think the only way to do it is force them to do it by yeah. saying, hey, what's your quality wins? In a weird way, outside your con- – if you play, you got to count the – you can't control the conference you're in. Yeah. I guess you can, but it's a long-term endeavor, right? So you got to grade the conference separately. I think out of conference, you only give points for wins. And let's say you disregarded losses out of conference. What would happen? Oh, wow. You would only play tough yeah. games. Yep. You know, Clemson plays Texas A&M this year. I mean, that's I, And again, I get, you don't, and to me, you got to grade them based on when the game was scheduled. Yeah. And there's no reason to think A&M wasn't going to be good. Yeah, top 25 team at least. Yeah. And they went to them, right? Last year they did, and okay, then they got them at home this year. I, that's a good one. And they play South Carolina, another SEC Come. team. All I know, right, it's a rival. All right, I'll give you that. See, so, and I guess in a way, let's give them a little credit. But this, well, A and M's A and M, and what was the final in that? Twenty four ten. All right, maybe we're sleeping on Clemson a little bit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the whole thing. I mean, that's, that's what I'm saying. You're talking out a little bit. Yeah, and I because and, and I, mean, I just this was kind of the same narratives we had about Clemson for a couple of years where they ended up at the end. I mean, they almost lost it like one year that they won the title. They almost lost to Troy at home. They won by six against Troy. Ended up winning the national title that year. Hmm. And, and, you know, like I said, is, is like, how does it, if you make a, I guess in a way you got to embrace the vagaries of sports, that there is a, a, a randomness. But to some degree, if you have to make a field goal, wasn't there a close game against Pitt that year? Or did they, they lost that game okay. to Pitt? All right. But if you have to kick a field goal or something to beat a bad team, you have, that has to count for something, right? But it never, you never hear them say a close win is why they, you know, that bad close win is why they got left out. In a weird yeah. way, the committee is accentuating this binary culture of you either win or you lose. Agree with that. And I think that's the, one of the greatest things for betters, right? Is when Clemson almost lost to Air, uh, who they almost lose to? NC State, are you thinking of? I'm, no, North Carolina. North Carolina, okay. right? Yeah. yeah, I was thinking it was. I was thinking of Arizona because it yeah. was the same type of famous coach, yeah. but uh, with Mac Brown, right? Yep. Is maybe that's contributed to them getting downgraded, but in general, they're not going to be kept out of any. And I'm not saying they should, but like, do you think the committee is going to say, "Look, North Carolina almost beat them. That's a bad mark." I think they're going to say they won the game. Yeah. And for batters, that's a good thing because we like when people overreact to wins and losses in the or they underreact because they won the game or overreact because they lost the game as a favor. Yep. Any closing thoughts? No. Nope. All right, guys. We got 
You know what we're going to do? I usually don't do this. Because we went on a little bit before the best bats. And, Dave, you've given your best bat. I have. And repeat that. Iowa State. Iowa State with the bad coach. You're not worried about the coach? Is that the guy that won eight games three years in a row? Yeah, it's 70% against the spread in the Big 12 well, since he started. Not, I, I, in the, that's so fascinating. In the Big 12. So we're going to throw out the other games. <laughs> I mean, dude, it's like. Well, he doesn't do good. Lane let been, me ask you a serious yeah. question. When I went against him. Yeah. And in hindsight, I was right, right? Would you would you want to trade day for him right now? No. Okay. So my question is this. How much research did you do trying to have these little comebacks? This is like Larry. I would not a lot, but I've tried, whenever there's been a little bit of time, I go the extra step. So what you're saying is <laughs> literally when you have free time, you don't think about getting a workout in. You don't no. you, you think about can I find some secret information to beat RJ with? Yes. And this is the result. <laughs> Not beating me. I'm still standing, baby. All right, we're going to do one and only one commercial. It's going to be quick, integrated, and then we got best bets. Bet DSI, here's what we know. They've been paying winners for 20 years. You don't win if you don't get paid. On multiple review sites, top-rated Bet DSI, user-friendly interface, they have a mobile site, and those payouts not only get paid, but they're fast. They got live betting. So it's pretty much like best in class and all the things you'd expect. And then a little extra, 100% bonus, promo code BAL101. And even better, BetDSI, they spend money with Podcast One. Podcast One spends money supporting this show. And thus, it's why you get this show. We do this regardless, but we wouldn't be able to spend the time. We wouldn't be able to have the equipment that allows the quality to be good. We couldn't have Sleepy do all the work that he does to get the finished product as good as we can. It's all about supporting the show. And if you do want another book, roundabout, we get supported. BetDSI.com promo code Bell 101. Hey, college football fans, need to brush up on your football knowledge? Then enroll in Dos Equis College Football Football College. You will learn from brilliant football minds like Jay Cutler, Martellus Bennett, Katie Nolan, and John Bacon, who wrote a book on college football. This information will give you an edge in every football argument you have this season. You could even enter for a chance to win tickets to the 2020 College Football Playoff National Championship. So be the first in your family to earn a football-watching certificate from a beer school. Enroll at Dos Equis College Football Football College at dosequis.com slash edu. Dos Equis, keep it interessante. Dos Equis beer brands. Enjoy Dos Equis responsibly imported from Cervezas Mexicanas, White Plains, New York. Copyright 2019, Dos Equis beer brands. No purchase necessary. 50 U.S. states and D.C. 21 or older only. Enter by 12. 2019, full rules available at dosequis.com slash edu. And finally, Yahoo. Now, first, you can go yahoo.com slash daily fantasy. The football action continues. Better than ever, Yahoo reports this year. They recently released a new $300,000 baller contest. Now, I don't think that's an homage to my baller appearance. Man, listen to the pro. Don't listen to no Joe, man. But it could be. New contests every week. Guaranteed cash prizes, and even if you don't score a perfect lineup, you can still walk away from the game with a little extra cash. Yahoo.com slash Daily Fantasy. That's Yahoo.com slash Daily Fantasy.
And when you make your first deposit, use promo code POD25 for, yes, $25 in free play. That's POD25 is the promo code. You get 25 in free play. Just use it when you make your first deposit. So, Dave, what's your thought about, and again, I know you're going to want to see Macho when you say this. Try to just tell the truth. What do you think about Blossom? Try to tell the truth? Try to tell the truth. What do you think about Blossom? Blossom. Yeah. Who the hell is Blossom? Don't know about the future. That's anybody's guess. Ain't no good reason for getting all depressed. Fire up your pad and pencil. I give you a piece of my mind. Now, what's fascinating... (laughs) is imagine if we see Dave next time, you know, he's making more regular visits now, is, and he comes in, he's got like a, like a, like a hat on, like Blossom, maybe like a, oh, like, like, like some kind of where he went home, bought the DVD and just, yeah. Blossom was the famous TV series in the late 80s, early 90s with the uh, young uh, gal who uh, I think she was uh, depicted as Jewish and it was like kind of like showing the life of, you know, they, this hyper intellectual teenage girl who was struggling with the the limitations of the world around her. I vaguely remember it. Yeah, but that doesn't mean I watched it. I was doing other stuff back then. They, that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> yes, it is. That what you were yes, doing. Yes, it is. <laughs> That'd be funny if what we know about Dave was doing back then and Blossom. If he would have been a huge Blossom <laughs> fan, it would have been awesome. <clears throat> I appreciate my agent was able to pull it off, having me go first. My main focus in life is primacy. Primacy. My best bet, Michigan State. Favored. No, we're getting points, plus six and a half. Now, the pregame sheet says the line's six, but my overlord always likes an extra half, so he's got six and a half. Judge that how you may. Penn State is overrated. They won the last two games, but they've been outgained. Cheer the rhyme. Two games outgained. Now, Penn State, they're tired. Off back-to-back close physical games. Neither me or Fezzik like too much physical contact. Intimacy issues. Michigan State, though, has a bye in contrast. They're out blow-off blow off losses, but let's forget about that. They're in a home-run spot, as I like to say. Best bet, Fezzik, the overlord, and me, and I represent this with vigor. Michigan State plus six, or we'll have six and a half. Count on it. Hmm. He was behind that one. Yeah. What do you think? I'm behind it, too. I'm on Michigan State. Like like Michigan State for, for me here. And it does come down to Penn State being a little overrated. We did talk about this on the Straight Out of Vegas show. See? Yeah. Uh, Penn State team that's number six, unbeaten. They got that important at this time of year, zero in the win-loss column as far as the loss column goes for, for Penn State. But they could have easily lost each of the last two games against Michigan and Iowa. They, they were deceiving stats in, in those games. The fact that they got outgained significantly against Michigan, outgained against Iowa, 
and the fact that this seems to be, if this is going to be the last rallying spot for the Mark D'Antonio era, it's got to be this awful buy in a, in a, against a team that they've had a lot of success with in exactly this same spot. Each of the last two years, Penn State's coming off of a big game against Ohio State. They're playing Michigan State. They're favored. What has happened in those two games? Michigan State's won them. Not only against the spread, but won them outright. I like Sparty here, plus a six and a half. You know what's fascinating is the idea of how Franklin was one game away from being fired. Yeah. Is your estimate. You want to paint that picture? Yeah. So the, the year is 2016. Uh, James Franklin hasn't gotten off. His first couple of years have been so-so <laughs> at Penn State. I haven't heard this in a while. <laughs> Have, uh, hadn't been so-so at Penn State, and he'd already gotten destroyed by Michigan, lost to his rival Pitt. Penn State shouldn't lose to Pitt. And in that game against Ohio State, Penn State is a 19-point home underdog. Supposed to be a lot of wind and rain. I remember taping the, the preview of that. We were at the old studios talking about that game. Uh, RJ, and uh, yeah, a blocked field goal return for a touchdown. Swung the whole momentum of that game, and Penn State won, and now James Franklin, new contract, everything is rosy. Well, you know, it's it, and you could make the case sometimes that some of the great coaches have been in a one element, one small thing away from losing their job. I mean, Belichick got fired, right? Yeah. So That's it, money. What about making money? That's the dream, y'all. That's the American dream. Speaking of the American dream, Kenny, Kenny, KT, as some say, what do you think of this one? I agree with Fez 100% on Michigan State, and they're coming off the bye as well. I think Willikis and Bocce, they'll slow down Penn State. And remember, defensive end Shaka Tony, who's that one-two punch with gross matters for the Penn State defense, RJ, he is banged up with a knee injury. He may go, but he's not 100%. I think Michigan State is focused off the bye. They're ready to play. Going to get the ball out to Stewart and White and change that offense that's been non-existent at times. I like Michigan State to win the game outright. Let me ask you guys a question. Michigan State, to me, feels like a program on the downtrend. Agree. Do you feel like that some of the handicaps, some of the old situations Michigan State's excelled in, that perhaps if their recruits are a smidge or maybe more than a smidge less than they've been, what, what reevaluation do we need? And, and Ken, maybe you start. I think Michigan State just needs to get more speed on offense, RJ. That's but can I'm... they? I mean, can a Big Ten school – who wants to go to Michigan State, right, that's fast? That's kind of the whole Colin Cowherd thing, right, with weather and stuff. And, and I think what you're starting to see, RJ, is, yeah, they've had some still success against Michigan, their rival, but, you know, a couple of those guys that Michigan State got in the Rich Rodriguez and Brady Hoke eras, they're not going to Michigan State anymore. Jim Harbaugh is actually getting those last couple of guys. And here's what I would do. I would say, hey, Lay, you want to stay and play in Miami? Look at that program. You want to stay home? That's all well and good. But look at that team mired in the ACC crap. Outside of Clemson, that conference is crap. Why don't you come up? There's a ton of kids in Dade County. Get a couple of them up there. Get some speed, Michigan State. I think it's doable now because Miami has struggled mightily. That's a team that – and Florida State. Look at that. Another big school in Florida. Two of the big school teams in Florida are down. Florida's the only team that's respectable right now. And, and the sense that I'm reading from reading the, the Michigan State newspapers – I do read nine newspapers a day <laughs> – is that this is likely to be the last season for Mark D'Antonio. That, there's whispers of that being out there. And I think what started to take a lot out of the Michigan State program – a lot of off-the-field issues. Not only the, that Nassar scandal, but Michigan State as a program had a bunch of scandals with some of their players. That's really taken 
the, the wind out of the sail of Michigan State. Because last... really, let's be candid. What could be a Midwestern boy's take is, hey, this is my values. Not, yeah, not, it's one thing if you're – I think Miami was doing the six-shooter and stuff in the end zone way yeah. back when. This is stuff no one's buying. You know, no yes. one's going to like it. Yep. Okay, we're 3-0. 3-0. Fake Fez and Fez is one. Brad is two. Ken is three. Dave. I'm going to make it unanimous. You know, you know, the Penn State could have lost at Iowa, could have lost to Michigan, or at least been taken to overtime. And I wonder if those wins give them – I thought about it. I said maybe they get a little more confident that they can win close games, or does that show a weakness people hadn't seen before? And I'm going to go with that because, to be honest, before those two games, they hadn't played anyone – at all, and almost lost to Pitt. You know, Sparty's defense is 25th in yards per pass attempt. I think Penn State needs those chunk plays that Michigan State just isn't giving up. I just think there's value to the buy here, especially when you compare it to Penn State's stretch. And I think if you look at this game where played on paper, I think you'd take Penn State. But it's not played on paper, and I like Michigan State. So on Straight Out of Vegas, Brad, we were talking about that the AP has Penn State where? Number six in the country. And you've got them where? Number 10. So this is a part, big chunk of this is just an overrated team. Yep, overrated Penn State. All right, four for four. I'm staying away. I don't like to be with the crowd. <laughs> four for four. Next game, Kenny Boy, Notre Dame, Michigan. Michigan at home favored by one. Yeah, Michigan's my best bet, and I really like the Michigan team I saw in the second half last week in Happy Valley. I, you know, I really feel for the kid, Ronnie Belks. He's my favorite player on that team. Has 25 receptions, no touchdowns. Should have had one. Ball was put perfectly there by Shea Patterson. It goes through the wickets. I think he will atone himself in a big way. I think he's going to have a big game. I think Nico Collins as well. Yes, Notre Dame's off a bye. Always scary to go against a team, uh, you know, coming off a bye. But this Michigan team, I think that everybody threw in the trash after getting blown out by Wisconsin is refocused re-energized, and I really think that they're going to have something for Notre Dame. This is a great rivalry. Notre Dame, they struggled against USC in the second half badly at home. The only other game that they can say, hey, was a real tough test was at Georgia, and I just don't think this Georgia team is near as good as everybody thought they were. I like their tight end. I think Cole Komet's one of the best. Claypool's a good receiver there for the Irish as well, but what are they going to try and do? They're going to try and run Tony Jones Jr., and Ian Book, and I think Michigan's going to be ready for it. I think Patterson really matured last week, and I think Michigan's defense looks really, really solid right now. I think Michigan wins this game. I think somewhere between 7 and 14 points, RJ. My best bet, Michigan minus 1. Okay, now uh, Brad, you actually, this was right at the, the, the end of potentially being your best bat. It so was. You like it. Yeah, I like Michigan as well, Ken. And, and let's just talk matchups here. In order to beat Michigan's defense, what do you need to beat their press man-to-man coverage? You need speed. Like a K.J. Hamler, who they Penn State last week threw over the top a couple of times, beat Michigan deep. Or you got those speed, you know, those crossing routes that Ohio State used against Michigan's defense last year so successfully. Who's the speed guy? For Notre Dame, uh, Chase Claypool is a good, solid possession type of wide receiver. He's tall. He's physical. A former walk-on and Chris Fink, he's not going to get the job done. Notre Dame doesn't have the elite guys on the outside or even at running back like a Dexter Williams last year to go up against this Michigan defense. I don't see it. And then on, on the other side, what did Notre Dame's defense really struggle, Ken, in that second half? I lost a bet with Notre Dame. Those wide receivers, those elite wide receivers for USC, that three-headed monster. Well, Michigan's kind of got a three-headed monster between Black, Bell, and Peoples-Jones. I don't like the matchup there on the other side of the ball for Notre Dame. Add it all up, and how about this, RJ? 
finally a good stat for Jim Harbaugh. At home, he's 28-4 and four straight up. I mean, this line This isn't won. called a good stat. This is called data mining. Data mining. But he's 28-0 against everybody not named Michigan State and then and Ohio State. And we can State. say if they lose this game that he's 28-0 against everyone except that Notre Dame. It is data mining. I mean, and, and it's, those are the best teams. Like, What are the good teams he's been beating? Penn home? State, Wisconsin. You know, He's been Wisconsin Wisconsin's twice. Great. They're just great. I mean, mm. if anything, Wisconsin looking so bad against Illinois, but how Michigan good is look Notre, worse. But how good is Notre Dame? Well, good enough that you wanted to bet me on them against USC. And it was 20-3 to three in the second half, uh, and I was feeling again, good. That's why you can't think like that, yeah. because you can always excuse your bad picks. Yes. There's always a scenario. You guys had – I hear you guys sometimes have a favorite of 24, and you were talking about some play in the second quarter. They, they lose the game, and it'll be like, but if that one play. It's <laughs> true. Ken's packing up. He's already late for his radio show, but he stuck it out for the podcast audience. Brad Powers, you went off the beaten track on this one because I'll, I'll take some culpability. I tell you guys, listen, the people that really want to win, the people that are committed, they've got the all access. They know, they're going to know all your picks. The people listening to the pod that haven't made that commitment, they want the bigger games. And it's not like you don't give your best bet. It's like amongst the bigger games. Here, you want to get off the schneid. So you went deep into the card. I did. So I'm going with Purdue minus nine. Purdue minus nine against Illinois here. And first, it's a play on the Boilermakers, where there's been a fundamental change with Purdue the last couple of weeks. What did their head coach, Jeff Brom, do? Well, Purdue was really struggling because they're down to a backup quarterback. They lost their best playmaker on the entire team in Rondell Moore. They couldn't protect that young quarterback. He changed up the offensive line, inserted three new offensive line starters. Now they're finally protecting their young quarterback, Jack Plummer. And here's a young freshman quarterback that's just getting better with each game. This is now going to be the sixth game start for Jack Plummer. And he's went from being a 4-4 ratio in his first three starts to now Jack Plummer, five touchdowns, one interception in his last two games. A Purdue team that after getting blown out by Penn State, after getting blown out by TCU, I think the light bulbs clicked on for this team. It's a team that's covered against Maryland by 30 points, a team that last week almost won outright as a 17-point underdog at Iowa, an Iowa team that I like a lot. I think it's just a fundamental change with Purdue. And then on the other side, I, this is what you probably thought I was going to lead with, RJ, well, you're going to play against the team that won. Wait, wait, wait. Whose voice is that? I, yeah, I was, that's not trying to be me. No, that's you like mimicking what duct tape shoots. Oh, okay. No, so that's you're not doing you. an imitation of me doing an imitation. Yes. Kind of like Brando, or I'm sorry, I'm Raging Bull at the end. He was in the mirror. Jake Lam- De Niro was playing Jake LaMotta, who was doing Brando. Yeah, or like <laughs> Tropic Thunder. I'm the dude playing the dude who's playing the other dude. I don't know if you've seen, you know that? Yeah, I've seen Tropic Thunder. All right. I don't like blackface necessarily. No, I don't either. That would not fly now. Can Ah. you believe how much? Well, in a way, it was, even then it was problematic, but that was the point, right? It was kind of over the top. Was over the top. But here's what's not over the top. I think Illinois is fundamentally fundamentally overrated. Forget about last week's outright upset against Wisconsin. Even with seven minutes left in that game, Illinois had a 2% chance of winning the game outright. Let's go back four games ago, and I'm just going to run down each of their last four games being misleading. Illinois lost by four to Nebraska. They're catching two touchdowns. Ooh, that's a thumbs up for Illinois, right? Wrong. Illinois got outgamed by 400 yards in that game. That's misleading. Three games ago, Minnesota crushes Illinois 40-17. to 
how is that misleading? Well, Illinois is only two touchdowns, defensive touchdowns. So a blowout could have been even worse. Two games ago, Michigan, 28 nothing, takes her foot off the gas pedal, then Illinois gets back in the game. And then last week against Wisconsin, a game that wasn't even on my radar majority of the game. Why? Ah, Wisconsin just looked flat. They're up 9 points, 10 points, 13 points majority of the game. And then all of a sudden, two turnovers, two scores for Illinois, big upset. I'm playing against this fighting Illini team. Give me Purdue minus 9. Ooh, that was a handicap. I a guess lot, you're, you're putting it on the table. I am. All the chips in one table. I don't have <laughs> Not a Not all the chips. Kelly Criterion Yes, have. yes, yes. What do you think? Any thoughts there? I mean, probably a game you haven't even reviewed. I mean, he no, pulled it out I, of the hat. I, I've thought about it, but Brad did a little more than think about it there. And his, just his voice inflection and tone there was, was very convincing. Or it could be false bravado no, trying you know, not to see. The, you know, I'm here in studio, so the body language, I could tell he really, really, really likes Purdue. And, and Brad did so much work on it. I really, really, really like Purdue, too. Well, that's the whole point, right? The theory is Brad's doing 60 hours of work a week, and you're able to buy, get it here, some of it for free, and you're buying it for a very reasonable price. And you know something? Why wouldn't he be confident? Here's a guy a proven history of winning. It's not even necessarily on a cold streak. It's just that one game you're picking on Tuesday. But that's part of the game. I got tiger scratches on my back from 20 years in this business. Let me tell you something. If you want to survive, you either got to fight the tiger or you got to dance with the tiger. But it doesn't say shave your beard. Talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. Catch the Wise Guy Roundtable each week. College football released on Wednesday. NFL on Thursday. Don't miss any winners. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Visit podcastone.com and download the Podcast One app. Have a question for RJ? You can contact him directly on Twitter at RJ in Vegas. Live the dream with us each week.